to all our sidekicks and henchmen out there in Geek Nation. Uh, you are, let's see, I'm bringing up the notes so that I can read it. Here we <laughs> you go. You don't know your intro. <laughs> You're cur- well, no, wrote a, no wrote a whole thing, so I'm going to read it. You're currently tuning into the Cold Pop Podcast spoiler alert live stream where we talk about and review the past week's comics. I, <laughs> I'm your host, Johnny Destructo. And uh, I'm the owner of Johnny Destructo's Hero Complex at 4327 Main Street, Philadelphia, PA, snuggled peacefully inside the neighborhood of Maniunk. Uh, With me this week is the new owner of the glorious Superman and Batman Generations Omnibus by John Byrne. Len, a.k.a. the Bat Dribble. Tell the people something. I am... And glad to be here. I'm looking forward to reviewing these films and the very special review that we have coming your way this morning. Oh, that's nice. Uh, The constant ray of deep-throated sunshine that is Brian Lieb is off this week, but here to dim some of that shine (laughs) is Noel. Hi, Noel. Hi, everybody. I'm here to ruin your mornings. (laughs) (laughs) Not just this morning, every morning. Every morning. (laughs) Yeah. Whether or not he's here. Yeah. Today, we're going to do something a little different, as Len alluded to. We're going to review some books. That's not the different part. We do that every single week. But we're going to review some books. Then we're going to talk about the streaming event of the year, month at least. That's right. Zack Snyder's Justice League. Some big guests are going to... No, they're not. Some very small guests are going to join us for that conversation. And it's only one of them. It's Rob. Rob Patey, who uh, is a longtime uh, podcaster uh, from this show. Um, he's he's going to return and, and talk about the, bo- uh, the movie later with us. So be sure to stick around if that's your jam. If it's not your jam, get the hell out of here. We don't want anything to do with you. We have letters... Yes, we got letters. We have letters. Oh, we got lots and lots and lots and lots of letters. Hey, guys. It's your boy, Charles and Chattanooga, a.k.a. Green Lantern Tribble, a.k.a. Hal 2814. I was listening to the Sunday podcast, and Noel brought up the fact that there were no letters. I'm guilty of this, not because I don't like writing to y'all. But I've gotten used to something on I've gotten used to commenting on YouTube or with JD on Twitter at JD's Hero Complex on Twitter. Uh, Here we go. I hate missing the live podcast because I work night shift, so I'm usually sleeping. So I watch later. As far as nonstop Spider Man, I love the art. I love Chris's artwork since Generation X. Later, his run on Doctor Strange. And I love how he shows Peter's spidey sense, giving him instruction. That was pretty cool. It was like part of the artwork. I like mm-hmm. that a lot. That was that was pretty dope. Noel, my favorite color is blue. Uh, also, I'm getting a I'm getting a um, 
an echo. Just in case. Just anyone cares. <clears throat> Uh, I guess because it's a relaxing color of uh, from growing up in the Bahamas Ooh. and being around the ocean a lot. That sounds delightful. Yeah, um, I had asked uh, in letters, I had asked favorite colors, but not just favorite colors. You need to give me the reason as to why this color is your chosen favorite. So directions. I like it. Um, I know I'm jumping around, but whatever. Lol. I've heard a couple podcasts about the last episode of WandaVision and actually took part in one. Ah, sci-fi party line install plug here, but I love how fanboys slash fangirls are butthurt that their theories didn't come true or they didn't get cameos they wanted. I was wrong with my theories, but I wasn't mad. The story all along was about Wanda's grief. And as a person who has dealt with a lot of grief, I appreciated that. Now that it's warmed up here in Chattanooga, I love listening to you guys on Sunday as I work in the yard. Oh. Um, and clean the pool. Love you guys, and I promise to write more. In closing, gotta talk! <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Thank you for the email. Um, yeah. We, I, I not, like, shamelessly, shamelessly mm -hmm. plugged for emails. It was ridiculous. We had no letters. Uh, not even from from stalwarts, no letters. So we had some question prompts. I'm I'm happy that Hal uh, followed the press, the question prompts. What did yeah. you guys think of Wandavision, or like just the fact that like people are oddly butthurt because they didn't call it? See, my Which thing I, is so weird. My thing is yeah. if. You know, it's, it's all fun to have theories and, yeah. and talk about what you think might happen and everything like that. But at the end of the day, if a movie is one of two things, if it, it is, especially if it's dealing with a, a, a property that you maybe have a little bit of history with, if it's true enough to that history, right? Or if it's true enough to... It's consistent with the universe in which it sets up, then that's really the job. The job to me, whether then it just boils down to whether or not it's a good story or not. Case in point, the Christopher Reeve Superman. Christopher Reeve Superman, if you look at that, especially in the first two movies, is true enough to the Superman that everybody has grown up with in the comic books. This, Despite having some very wild divergence from it, Superman's never thrown a, a S shield and wrapped people in it. Yeah, part two especially is so crazy wild. Thank you for that. Right, but it's wildly <laughs> divergent. But everybody still hails it because it still hones close enough to the Superman mystique that we know that we would just ride with it. Right. Then you get to Zack Snyder's uh, Man of Steel. That Man of Steel does not feel like the Superman we grew up with, but that Superman is consistent throughout the film. Mm -hmm. So you're, I'm fine with it, and I can take that as a, uh, a a good movie and then hoping that, you know, okay, maybe I think I see th where this Superman may go to become the Superman that that. Uh, I want, and they they try to make it there, and we'll argue that case of what, whether or not they stick the landing or not. But that's fine. Turn the wide division. I have an idea of what I think Vision and, and Scarlet Witch are, 
Um, but I don't have no hard, you know, like line like this is Scarlet Witch and this is Vision. This was close enough to the Wanda Vision, the Wanda and the Vision setup in the MCU, which they hadn't done anything really, really with either of those characters that much. So they this is really the first time to fully flesh them out. And it was fine. Did they give you some Easter eggs, some member berries to like kind of like make you like, ooh, ooh, ooh. And maybe like, you know, throw a couple of bones like Ag- Agatha Harkness and all that type of stuff in the twins. Sure. But if it doesn't play out the way you want it, uh, um, that's because it wasn't your Wanda and your vision. As long as they were consistent with the characters that they built up in the story, which they were, I'm fine with it. And whatever memory berries they gave me were were great. And the people that get butt hurt over it, I think you just have to learn to get over it, which I think people will do in time. It's it's just it's so wild, and it, I I don't even want to simplify it as um, personally. I don't even want to simplify it as uh, my expectations weren't met because they're completely fabricated expectations in real time that are created mm-hmm. willy nilly. Right. Like it's not like it's not like. WandaVision as a show made all these promises and all these hints and winks at us about very specific things that people were calling for. They just started to in real time and then got aggressively upset when they weren't right with the shit that they made up. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's such a weird level of fan fiction privilege to be mad at something for not thinking what you thought. Right. It's so weird to me. Um, and I don't know if it won for, I don't think it applies to other stuff, you know, like, like the, the, well, I probably will talk about it later. Like the, the Snyder bronies willed something into existence and their expectations were met. This was like happening in real time and reverse engineered from like a premiere. So mm-hmm. it was like reactionary butthurtness, which was also kind of even more stupid. Like I can even, I can understand if I, you know, was a part of this movement that created something and then was upset by it. I mean, it's, it's like investment. Yeah. Over the course of like three weeks that they got so hurt about it, which was weird. But anyway, I don't like it. People would come into my shop and they'd be like, Hey, Jadles, what, what are your theories on WandaVision? What do you think? Is it Mephisto? And I was like, no, no, it's not Mephisto. It's not, I don't even know how you think it's Mephisto, but all right. Um, and uh, I don't. I never engage in theories. I, that's not part of the fun of enjoying a uh, a series to me. Uh, it was like, oh, I would, I, this, they're going to do this. I'm there to enjoy the story that they're presenting to me, and I mm-hmm. like to unfold the the pieces as they're presented. But um, I don't really have. I don't. I don't engage in it because I don't want to be disappointed. I. I Nine times out of ten, the thing that I think it's going to be is not the thing, and I'm I'm usually surprised. I'm usually like surprised uh, pleasantly by that. Mm-hmm. If I, if I, here's what I don't get: if I am thinking of what you're going to do later, and I'm right, I'm disappointed because <laughs> I'm not that smart. Uh, <laughs> and if I am figuring out what you're gonna do, and I'm right. I, I hate it because <laughs> I'm like, I wanted you to do something that I'm not going to think of to surprise me, to entertain me. Right, um, right. You know, I, I, that that's kind of my whole thing. There's been times where, do, all right, do you, ever have, do you ever have a friend or or someone you know? And I don't have friends. 
Well, okay. Do you ever have an acquaintance? Um, and you're like, ah, oh, I know that he's going to do this thing. If I say a, he's yeah. going to say B and it's going to piss me off. And not only are you right, but you're even more annoyed because you were right. Mm-hmm. Like, Oh, I knew he was going to say that. Oh, I'm even madder now. Right. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's related it's to all that. conversations with douche, right? Yeah, yeah, I know. Oh, I know Deuce is going to make this sexual innuendo. <laughs> oh, he did it, that son of a bitch. We're just teasing because he's he's backstage and he can hear us, but we can't hear him. <laughs> the, um, the, so anyway. the grayed out gesticulations is his approving of like, no, I will. I will make that sexual reference. It's yeah. true. Yeah. Um, no, uh, that's just I, how I feel you, about it. Even the even the Mephisto theories, which you know, I'm I'm sure like that kind of character will come into like Doctor Strange stuff if if they ever do it. But even the origin of those theories, I find frustrating because everyone has it in their head now that Marvel Studios is going to do things very specifically, and the idea that like, well, Mephisto is a big villain in the Avengers now, so he has to be in charge or in, in a big deal in the movies, as though it's that real-time lockstep which mm. is just so stupid like they could be two different things I'm, I'm sure like when somebody's costume changes that doesn't mean that kevin feige will completely readjust the entire mcu in order to like line up with an avengers event that's happening right now relax you know you say that and i agree with you however there are some receipts on the marvel end of the, the other o- way Okay, yes, they do some reverse engineering of, of some things, uh, case in point, Nick Fury, but they do, st- considering how much synergy has yeah. grown in Marvel between the comics and their movies, and now they did so much to kind of like bring the television in more lockstep with that as well, that into that circle. It I it would not surprise me if Mephisto becomes more of a deal going forward in other aspects not, in the uh live action world of it Marvel. would not surprise me a year or two from now, not right now while the comics are going on. Well, no, it's not gonna be right now right now. But that's because these things take Mephisto's a thing. Okay. All right. All right. And that's true. And that and that was silly. And that was silly for them to think of. But it doesn't mean it. it a year from now can still be tracked back to this, Wanda. You know what? Him showing up now. You know that's, that's fair. Uh, we have another letter. Oh, do we? Oh, goody. Yeah. yeah. Uh, from Carl Carl's, friend of the show. Hey, Carl! Yeah. What's up, Carl? Smacking that ass like usual. Words with friends, bruh. But it's with love, bruh. Because I love you, bruh. I feel- I'll, I'll read the email now. Um, <laughs> uh, like hey, actually, you know what? Let me, we got some people commenting. Let's just say hi to some of these folks here. I don't want to ignore them. Good morning, hoppers. What did I pick up LCA today? Ask Robert Morrow Jr. I'm going to say Nightwing number 78. Tom Taylor, we're going to review it a little bit. I'm also going to say Ultra Mega Number One from James Heron. We'll review that in a little bit. Uh, those are my two picks. Good morning, says Samuel. Dave Mars Comics says I made it. Good morning, JD. Good morning, everyone. Um, I hope everyone heard you. We did. Uh, hello, hello, hello. What's up? What's going on? How you guys doing? 
what guys do you what do you guys like better bike or power wheels power wheels were those little ones where you like do this and then you pull the brake and you skeet right is that what i'm talking about yeah. are those power wheels Mm, yeah. Mm, yeah. No. Uh, uh, power wheels. It had a little battery. Oh, yeah. 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 Right, it had yeah. a battery in it. Yeah. 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 Right. 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 Oh, um, never mind. I was thinking of those little three wheelers. Yeah. You were thinking of the big wheel. That's big wheels. That's what you were thinking of. Yeah. Uh, my oh, answer is big bike. wheels. <laughs> Which is not his uh, question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I'm going to go bike because I, I don't I didn't grow out of the bike as in like size wise. That's true. I'm going to go bicycles, and this is because Action Figure Expert is referring to round three of the ultimate, the uh, totally toys, Toy. toys, toys tournament, which we had this past Thursday. And um, bicycles made it out of the third round to join in the ultimate toy box, uh, Legos and vibrators, um, to, to see what will um, back massagers. I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, ask Sam. So we, um, <laughs> we uh, um, so next week is the final round of the Totally Toys 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 tournament. We're going to see who's going to be the last entrant into the uh, toy box, and then we're going to see who's the winner of the greatest toy of all time. And you're talking about the Black Tribbles podcast, which is Thursday nights at 9 p.m. Yes, that yes, podcast. Okay. Thank yeah. you. Um, let's see. Mars says, love being surprised myself guessing is fun but i love it when something totally unexpected happens mm-hmm. me too uh, i think it's all, i think it's all about speculation i think people that were most set are those that are speculating slash flipping comic books true yeah didn't even think of that nice um all right oh and R- robert Monroe jr says butthurt fanboys fangirls to stop complaining about product not turning out the way they think it should and start creating their own product. No one is forcing them to watch or read this stuff. Okay. Fair, valid. Uh, all right. So back uh, to the email at hand from Carl Carls. Hey, JD, Len, Noel, and Brian. Uh, here you go. I have written you an email. So now you can stop whinging. Uh, which is just <laughs> whining from other parts of the world. I know I am definitely in the minority here, but I did not really like Hoxpock, that being Jonathan Hickman's Mm. House of X Powers of 10 um, event that re-kicked off the X-Men status quo as it currently exists now, which I personally loved all to hell. Mm -hmm. He continues, I've never liked the X-Men as characters, so I don't think that I was ever really going to be in the bag for it. I purchased a copy of the Hoxbox hardcover from the book grocer, which is where I got all of the books I sent you. Oh, well, some things you just can't connect with, I guess. I could appreciate the level of craft that was applied to the overall project, but I have a level of disconnect with the characters. In fact, with most Marvel characters. Ooh. I am definitely a DC guy overall. I like Marvel stuff, but generally gravitate towards DC. Hmm. Honestly, prefer the Marvel films to most of the books. It's a Mm. question for you all. Given the current trend superhero and comic book films, is there anything that you would to see adapted? So, why? Knee pads, Len. Knee pads. Your friend, (laughs) Carl. All right, first things first. (laughs) Uh... 
that is a reference to oh where did that come up um I think that came up I think that came up on I was talking about I had like a rug burn on my knee um so that's what that's what I, gotcha. I think it was here sense. I can't remember I I do a, a lot of podcasts um uh what was the um oh given so the current the, trend of superhero and comic book films is there anything you'd like to adapt mm so like a superhero I I must I take it in that in that world um hmm that's a good question. Hmm. 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 There are hmm. things that I would like to see adapted. There is one specific that I would love to see adapted, but it was already kind of ruined. Oh, I remember that? after after Man of Steel, uh, the big the big deal was the big announcement was somehow I guess Zack Snyder had come on stage at a convention or something, and he would he quoted Dark Knight Returns, and then we all flipped our shit thinking he was going the next movie is going to be Dark Knight Returns. Uh, mm. And then it was just some sort of Franken monster uh, <laughs> version of that, where it was just like, well, I'll just take the armor from that, and also his brutality, and right, uh, right. that's all we're going to really use from that, um, and also that he fights Superman. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but as oh, one of my all-time favorite Batman tales, I would say uh, I was looking forward to that, and it never happened, and now I think the ship has kind of sailed on that. Yeah. Um, because yeah. so many elements were kind of used and abused from that, but not actually part of it. Um, Hmm. Yeah, I'm that's trying to think. A, that's of a, a fun question. Um, live adopted into live action because there's a lot of things that I would love to see animated. Um, but hmm. I think the thing that is immediately coming to mind is um, and I'm going to say in the world of Marvel and DC, just because you know that's the popular stuff. I would love to see. There's two things. I would love to see a real world hard edge and I'll even let Tom Hanks do this get somebody funky with it a hard edge world war 2 um superhero <laughs> tale <laughs> featuring the justice society of america um and you could take and maybe take like the old all star squadron um you know book from the 80s that would be kind of cool to to pull into a justice society book i think that would be pretty dope i would say that or so that would be my dc pick my marvel pick as i scan my my trades right now is that year of more than a 20 years probably 30 years ago if not longer frank miller and bill sinkevich did a um miniseries called electra assassin which was kind of like a a, a prequel of a sort of Electra, and she's teamed with this um, this kind of like rogue shield agent who, because he gets died, he gets rebuilt as almost like a cyborg type of thing, and they have this mission to stop this enemy from killing the president. It's real wild, imaginative, funky Bill Sienkiewicz art made one of the better things that Frank Miller has written. And it would be cool as animated, but it might even be funkier uh, of a um, adapted into live action. Maybe get somebody real like avant-garde to direct it. I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking David Fincher, but you know, just get somebody just to like 
play around with that and get funky. That would be that would be my uh, my Marvel pick. Nice. And that uh, would do Electra right because Electra, outside of the while she was done okay on the Daredevil show, I still didn't feel like she didn't feel like the Electra that I that I no. yeah no so. That would be uh, I, I have an answer. I've been passively listening while I help somebody. I have an answer, though. Um, I would just like them to restore the Snyderverse. Shut the fuck up. Um, uh, <laughs> actually, I really wanted to see... I really want to see a well-done Booster Gold slash Blue Beetle mm, in mm. live action. So, may, may I interject? Uh, are you asking for a Blue Beetle, Booster Gold, where like, you know, a lot of the stories recently with Booster Gold have involved time travel and putting together a team um, from different eras and all that sort of stuff. That's sort of like the go-to Booster Gold story right now. Are you talking about something like that where we get to see a bunch of different DC characters? Are you talking about just like, just Booster Gold and Blue Beetle on an adventure doing their own thing sans everybody else? Um, Maybe separately. But I, yeah. I don't like you're referring to like the generations forged and shattered crap. I don't. Well, I, I mean, don't, there's there's been a bunch of that, but yeah, basically. Um, n- no, not the the Rip Hunter kind of thing. I just I Booster just, Gold as a from the three thousand, you know, century or mm-hmm. the thirtieth century, mm-hmm. uh, a screw up stealing things and then going back in time and kind of discovering what it is to be a hero with future tech. I think that's a wonderful story that no one's like doing. Um, the introduction of just like a man best friend or, or a, a, a platonic love interest mm-hmm. in, in, in booster or in, in blue beetle. I think it's just a wonderful, like a, a, a bromance between two yeah. B superheroes. I think it's just be so incredibly fun on, on the screen, but no one's doing it. So, well, um, Oh yeah. Bu- uh, Bucky and, and, and Falcon. Maybe. Right, Hopefully right. I'm about to say. <laughs> yeah, uh, but there, there's, there's this, they're an odd couple kind of thing. When it comes to yeah. Booster Gold and Blue Beetle, it was almost like meeting each other's hetero life mates immediately. Right, right, right. It's a totally yeah, different that's dynamic. The Jamie, that's the Jamie Reyes stuff. Uh, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. I, 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 mean, I kind of want Ted Cord. Yeah, nothing against that kid. Jamie Reyes is cool as hell. Yeah. But it's, 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 there's it's no blue and gold with Jamie, Jamie Reyes. Reyes there's fair. no blue and gold with Jaime Reyes. And for, for Marvel, I don't, I, I don't know that Marvel. It's it seems real for Marvel. They can do whatever the hell they want in the next right. two three years. So we're good. I was just going to say on that um, Booster Gold Blue Beetle back in the you know the Giffen um, Demetrius run. You know the Wahaha Justice League. There is a I think it's only maybe one issue. It may be two issues, and it was around the time that Adam Hughes came on to do the artwork on the book. Where Blue Beetle and Booster Gold, uh, I forget the, the the full story, but somehow they come to either managing or owning like this uh, this luxury resort on an island, and um, you know, of course, with them hilarity ensues, and somehow fire and ice are, are there because they were kind of like their they were kind of like their. Um, Lucy and Viv to to those two nut, nutty guys. That whatever I forget that story, but that story of just these superheroes, the kind of like C list superheroes who luck up into some shenanigans on this resort island, um, would be insane. 
That's what, yeah, yeah, there you go, Randy. Cooey, cooey, cooey. Yes, 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 that's what it was. That oh would be God. the, that, that would be the boost. I'm telling you, if you haven't read that storyline, that would be a killer also, boost of gold, Beetlejuice, I mean, Beetlejuice, a blue beetle <laughs> <laughs> a movie. I'll, I'll say to you, like, I, I, I feel as though, at least in recent history, um, anything playful or colorful, you could still take things that are playful and colorful seriously, but mm-hmm, or, or mm-hmm. treat them seriously. But anything colorful and and playful is just non-existent in DC's properties, or, right. or unless it's a cartoon. Right. Um, I mean, I would Shazam. love to see them kind of. True. It, yeah, but it's still kind of the characters were playful and wonderful. However, it was a violent as hell movie. It like it <laughs> still kind of fit in, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just, I ton- tonally, I, I want them to expand beyond the Trinity, right? Yeah. Um, oh, so I brought Rob in because he commented Justice League International. Yeah, I think that would make a great sitcom for WB in the same vein that WandaVision is a good Disney Plus tentpole for kind of kooky and off the wall. Go mm-hmm. retro with Justice League International back in the 80s. Make it a TV show instead of the movies. That would be cool because then you could have the conceit is that Batman shows up every once in a while, but mm-hmm. you only either see like the back of his head or like just his feet walk into the to uh, the screen. That's all. That would this, be dope. This immediately reminds me of Mark Russell's Wonder Twins, that 12-issue series that you guys should have read. Uh, mm-hmm. Where it it is, it touches on all of like the ju- they, they work in the Hall of Justice. However, they only kind of really pass by anybody that's of popularity, and it's all just kind of weaved mm-hmm. in. And the story that happens around it is great. But yeah, sorry. Uh, I want to comment, Randy. Uh, 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 I was way behind this morning, so I didn't get a chance to set everything up in time to invite you onto the show. He's out there commenting. He was going to join us for our conversation about um, I almost said BVS, the um, Snyder that's Cut. Okay but I wasn't able to set that up in time. Sorry, buddy. We love you. Um, all right. There we go. Done. Should we talk about the books? I guess. Did you answer JD? I didn't hear that. No, answer. no, because um, I'm, I just was figured I'll piggyback off of that booster gold and um, blue beetle. Okay. John, that sounds okay. awesome. It sounds right, fun, cool. right? Yeah. Like a, oh. like a fun comedy. There's, there's some hope for, for um, HBO max opening up stuff though. Cause like, one of the surprise announcements from a couple weeks ago that I think fell off of everyone's radar is that they're adapting cover by Brian Michael Bendis and David mm-hmm. Mack as an animated, as an adult animated show. Hmm. Like there's avenues now and the Snyder cut kind of reiterates that. Yeah. Just real quick. You know, when I was trying to think, I was looking at my shelves and I was scanning the shelves and I was thinking, what would I like to see um, adapted? And like Len had said, there's a bunch of things I would like to see adapted for animation. Mm-hmm. But- with the caveat of animated well, um, I feel like there are animation studios overseas that when I watch them, the animation is so top-notch. There is some anime that I see wow. that is so top-notch and, and the work is so pristine and mm-hmm. gorgeous mm-hmm. and kinetic. And it's just, it's, sometimes it gives me chills because the animation is so good. And, and is it rarely the case with American animation for me uh, when it comes to like the DC movies, which I do enjoy for the most part, the DC animated um, cadre. Um, I, I enjoy them for the most part, but they never quite hit that top tier animated 
Yeah, okay, it's the difference between here we go. It's the difference between in the 80s, I would tune in for let's say G.I. Joe. Right. And mm-hmm. there was that amazing intro where mm-hmm. everyone's flying around the Statue of Liberty and there's balloons everywhere and there's lens flares happening and the metal looks metal and shiny um, and everything's really um, engaging looking. And then mm-hmm. you're like, oh, shit, this, oh, this is going to be it. And then the, the regular show starts and it's like, beep, boop, pop, ah, meep, Lady mm-hmm. J, no, you know, um, very, very rudimentary. Uh, animation. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That's the difference. Like, <laughs> uh, I, I would like things animated like the beginning of GI Joe, and I feel like more often than not, we get things that are animated like the like the actual episodes themselves. Uh, that's a, that's a, that, that's a cost issue. I mean, you see that with the book comic book covers versus the interiors, right? Yeah, You'll, true. Yeah. But like yeah. the GI Joe intro was outsourced overseas <laughs> by a different animation studio. And then all of the the shitty interiors were, uh, I guess, American or whatever. You're new. You're muted. No. Now it's all outsourced. There's shitty yeah. animation overseas. That, like, well, now okay, it's all but, you, but I, you get my yeah. point. No, I get your point. Yeah. I will. I will say this. I, I and, and just a, another shameless plug a, a little bit. I was pleasantly surprised. And it's nowhere near on the on the the level what you were talking about as far as animation. But I was pleasantly surprised by the charm that I found watching the new Netflix series uh, Kid Cosmic because it's totally like yeah. like it, it's it's totally like not what you're saying animated wise, but yet mm-hmm. it's still very well animated. It mm-hmm. fits right in with the universe that it is creating, and it is a fun ass show. I had so much it's fun. Cute sitting for one day just binging the entire series just l- absolutely was enthralled by by that show it was really yeah. really cool i watched one episode of it and i do i recommend it i think it's pretty fun yeah yeah uh all right i'm sorry let's get on to the books bye rob we'll see you in a little bit great being here thanks <laughs> uh all right what uh what's the book let's see i mean let me go to my notes here we go Comics Block, Justice League number 59 from DC Comics, written by Brian Michael Bendis and Ram V, with art by David Marquez and Zermanico. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Writer Brian Michael Bendis reunites with artist David Marquez for a new star-studded Justice League featuring Superman, Batman, The Flash, Hawkgirl, Aquaman, Hippolyta, new DC powerhouse Naomi, and is that Black Adam? Superman is leading the charge to reinvent the Justice League, and at the same time, a new cosmic-powered threat arrives from Naomi's homeworld to rule the Earth. And in the backup story, dark days lie ahead for the new Justice League Dark. Zatanna and John Constantine take a road trip only to discover horror around the bend as a friend, and sometime foe, is reborn in fire! A legend is destroyed and another takes a terrible turn as Merlin reveals the beginning of a new blood-drenched plot for all humankind. So begins writer Ram V's new journey into the abyss with the Justice League Dark and artist Germanico. Um, this was Brian Michael Bendis' book. I did a thunder round for it uh, last week, which is just a 60-second review. And my review is this is a Bendis book. If you like Brian Michael Bendis, as I 75% of the time do, this is a Brian Michael Bendis uh, Justice League. You get the same sort of dialogue that you either love or hate. You get the very casual nature of said dialogue, which you either love or hate. You get um, a character that 
Ben decided this is new for character because he created them and is going to put in everything that he writes because that's his right as a writer, uh, Naomi. And the big bad comes from Naomi's homeworld, his creation. And um, he's, he throws in a couple of like weird, weird choices like Adam as being part of the Justice League and stuff like that. So I think it's off to a fine start. Uh, I definitely am enjoying it more than previous iterations of the Justice League uh, recently. And uh, I love one little thing is that I really miss, despite not giving a crap about Green Arrow, mm. uh, I am really enjoying, I, I used to really enjoy the Green Arrow Black Canary relationship. And as I was doing my previews orders for my store, I noticed, oh, that's weird. The Green Arrow Black Canary series is going to be coming back in print in trade paperback form. I remember that series. That was a lot of fun. Chad that's such a strange choice for them to just come back all of a sudden willy-nilly and lo and behold, the next week, oh, they're in the Justice League again. So mm. I'm hoping we're going to see a return to that relationship. I really enjoyed it. So that's kind of where I sit with Justice League. What'd you think, Len? Um, the one thing I will say is that the book read fast. Like yeah. I found myself like, wait a minute. I'm at the end of the story, at the first story already. Um, and uh, spoiler alert, I didn't read the second story. Um, but um, this uh, this felt kind of cool. I'm 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 a fan of David Marquez art, so I I enjoyed that for the most part. Um, I don't know whether or not they are you know my favorite. They're certainly not my favorite iterations of these characters, but they're well drawn. Um, the page design, the page layout was imaginative when it needed to be, especially when um, uh. The, Aquaman's powers are in use. It was a very nice little uh, two-page spread of that. That was pr- that was pretty dope. I am a fan of the um, anti-hero that is Black Adam. I'm mm. a fan of kind of like the reworking of that character, um, which I kind of like date back to his time when he was uh, fumbling around with the Justice Society back when Jeff Johns was, was writing that. So... Um, I appreciate this. I mean, he's a you know he's a much handsomer guy than I remember him looking like. But I'm like, all right, all right that works. Um, I, I'll flow with that. Um, and and I, I I like that that part there. I was like, oh, look at all these symbols. I had to piece them together. You know, the bottom two I, I didn't really pull apart, but it was still kind of cool. Ultimately, I thought this was fun. It felt inviting it felt like a, a it felt like a reboot it felt like it's maybe a little bit more grounding them um which is where brian michael bendis probably works best in his writing um and it is i was also a fan of seeing green arrow and black canary return to the fold more so black canary because i'm a huge black canary fan um but i i, I like a well-written green arrow so I'm I'm down with that, and um, it was fun. It it was so slight that I feel like a review. I can't di- give much more because this is more just an intro. Uh, really feels like, despite some action pieces, it's very much an introduction into what is happening. So I can't give it much more than that. But it, it sounds interesting. I'm down with Naomi. I, I like the book, so I'm down with her being a part of this story and uh, giving yet another perspective onto the, into the group. 
Green Arrow's bringing another perspective, and so will Naomi. So yeah. I'm down with it. Yeah, I think we've been we've been um, inundated with um, series after series of Justice League that like smacks you over the head like a brick with the gravitas of these mm-hmm. people, um, which I'm I was I was tired of, and this is more of a you know who's bringing the snacks to the next meeting kind of tone along with the gravitas of these people. So it's, right. I could totally see this as being like a, um, um, whiplash. Uh, but I did love it. I didn't love the dialogue from the main baddie. That's just kind of introduced, but it yeah. still kind of worked. Um, I re- this also reminded me about how much I miss actual green arrow so whatever they were doing with him during the new 52 and whatnot, turning him into like working for Amanda Waller and being blah, blah, blah. I was just like, don't you know the origin of Green Arrow? And he actually is literally like the proto warrior for social justice. Like mm-hmm. he's a grounded character introducing him immediately, uh, kind of arguing uh, that we need younger, fresh perspectives. We don't have all the answers to things. Uh, was wonderful, and then having Superman agree with him was my favorite joke of the whole book. It was just yeah. like, I hope you guys all know that when Superman agrees with me, none of you matter. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that was that was a great line. That this was a great line. This was just. I do think that Bendis gets all these characters, and I, I'm uh, foibles and flaws. I, I this was just like God. I, I hate having to reference the Snyder Cut constantly because we're going to do it for like an hour. But it's like if you are a fan, you will love this. If you're not a fan, you will find reasons to rip it apart. Yep. That's you know? that's that was my whole thing. It's Bendis through and through, whether you love it or hate it. That that's my review. Um, you've already a lot of people have already made their decisions on Brian Michael Bendis. Um, you know, just the fact that he was announced as the writer. Of course, you see all the comment threads are just like, no, I guess I'll drop Justice League now because Brian Michael Bendis ruins everything he touches. Um I had a back and forth with a gentleman this week, actually, about this issue because he was just like, oh, he's going to ignore everything that came before. Or no, no, it's he did ignore everything that came before, to which I went, well, wait, what did he ignore in this issue that came before? I I don't really know what that was. And the only thing the person had to say was that um, I think there's a, a problem here with Barry Allen versus Wally West. So for anyone who doesn't know, in in Infinite Frontier number zero about two weeks ago. Or was it a week ago? doesn't matter. Um, Barry Allen bequeathed upon Wally West the mantle of the Flash again. Right. So um, he's now Earth's the Flash. Mm -hmm. And in this book, we have a character who, except for the red hair, looks like Barry Allen because he's wearing the, um, what do you call that? Scientist coat? Dr. Smock. The Dr. Smock. And uh, but he but they they colored him with red hair it's this lab time. Coat. Lab coat, that's the word. And um, he's Dr. actually they actually Marcus call Blade. they call him Barry. I can make a call, Barry. Um, right. So I think what happened was is not that it was ignored. It was that it was a last minute change, or like maybe they weren't alerted ahead of time that the Flash was going to be changing mantles. Um. So other than that, I, on the cover, just, the Flash is changing mantles, and then also too. Yeah, I think it's this. This might take place before that. It's yeah. literally like he's not even in the book. He's in one panel. Relax, fanboys. 
Yeah, exactly. Because I was gonna say, because to your point, the cover has like you know this very like moody image of what this new Justice League is going to be. Well, I'm not looking at that cover. I'm looking at the cover, the 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 print cover, which has like them them mostly in silhouette, and the Flash yeah. is not there. So I I think ultimately the idea is that the Flash is not going to be in this team um, per editorial edicts. So. You know, and 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 if he's there, and if Barry is still their buddy, doing something on the side for them, you know, yeah, Barry's not disappearing. He's just going to the totality where he's going to be working on everything with everyone. Like even if it was Barry in a lab coat, that's continuity appropriate. He's at the Hall of Justice working. Yeah, he's not dead. Totality right. stuff. Yeah, exactly. So again, fanboys, it's yeah. okay. Yeah. He's still, he's still, okay. He still has a pass to the clubhouse. Brian right? Michael Bendis did not burn your back issues. Relax. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's move on to Nightwing number 78. And that is, let's see, DC Comics again from Tom Taylor. One mm. of my new favorites, Tom Taylor, with art by Bruno Redondo, mm. who is becoming a favorite of mine. Nightwing is back, baby, and his drive to keep Bloodhaven safe has never been stronger. But his adopted city has elected a new mayor with the last name Zucco. Mm-hmm. When Nightwing enlists Batgirl's help in investigating the politician bearing the same name as the man who murdered his parents, she unearths de- details that will shock and fundamentally change the hero i doubt it the new york times best-selling team of writer tom taylor of deceased and injustice and artist bruno bruno redondo injustice and suicide squad are about to take nightwing to the next stage of his evolution as a hero i was pretty disappointed with the last era of nightwing i thought Mm. it was a really neat idea that they shot him in the head uh kg beast clipped him in the in the skull there and he sort of lost his memory and i thought what a neat idea that like everyone's like we're gonna help you become dick again dick and he was like i don't know who dick is i don't remember that guy i'm gonna be an all new thing and i was like oh all right this is gonna be real cool and then it wasn't real cool at all i was really bored and i left the book almost immediately uh and then i just hadn't i dipped in every so often and i was like nope all right this still sucks don't care uh but this issue tom taylor was coming back and i was hyped as hell And I think with good reason. Once I was finished this book, I was very, very excited to read the next issue. I'm excited where Nightwing is currently, which is just feels like classic Nightwing. He's there in Bloodhaven. He's got his blue and black on. Um, No mullet, sadly, to speak of. But uh, and also the fact that they're reintroducing the Zucca family. Mm -hmm. um, I thought was pretty cool. Um, I'm in. I'm I'm on board. What did you think, Noel? Um. This is the first time in history that I've got a Nightwing book on my pull list. This nice. was great. This yeah. was straight great. Um, it had a lot of um, allusions to Hawkeye's uh, regrouping or, or reimagining, right? Mm-hmm. Like Hawkeye uh, by AHA and, and Fraction. It's got a little bit of that kind of like playful retconning that doesn't actually retcon. It's just a perspective shift and it's just really wonderful also they kick puppies in this book i love kicking puppies oh my god is there anything more satisfying than kicking a puppy i know you just see a puppy and you want to punt it Mm. um taking a dog there there is there is a (laughs) that's my superhero designation the puppy puncher it's only dark if you don't like punting puppies you know (laughs) 
anyway, no, this was a, this was a beautiful book. It was funny. It was incredibly well drawn. The action was engaging. I, I this was this was my favorite book of the week. It it is a it's executed at the ex, at the at the level of a big hero book. Like mm-hmm. this is the kind of creative team and execution that you usually see on a Batman relaunch, um, mm-hmm. a Superman relaunch, or, or whatnot. Like this was. I'm not used to Nightwing getting this much creativity. And we've gone we we've gone on on this show about you know I think the majority of us loving Tom Taylor maybe all of us that just don't remember B's read on 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 the guy um, and we've mentioned Bruno Redondo on here I I love his art on Injustice loved him on Suicide Squad and love his art on here. I'm going to take a qu- a little bit of time first now to throw a bone to Adriano Lucas, who is the colorist of this book, because yep. as fantastic as this art is, and it is good, it is the coloring, which now in 21st century comics and JD, I know you'll agree with this is what fills in is what brings the art truly to life. Yeah. Is that is what can make or break great art and the coloring in this book the atmosphere that uh adriano lucas sets from scene to scene is absolutely spot on and sometimes breathtaking from the two panel um two-page spread that you had up there earlier uh jd which was the the intro to the book to the 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 um the meeting between the mayor and Blockbuster, you know, like on the street under just the, the lights of, of the city or what are just illuminating them. This is a gorgeous, gorgeous fucking comic book. And then go to another two page spread with with just the uh, synchronicity of the writing, the artwork and inspe- the, the the acting in the artwork and right there in that two-page spread jd read in my mind that two-page spread where dick grayson is reading this um letter from alfred that was mm. left to him as barbara gordon sits there and just slowly moves in behind him as he reads it along as and you feel the emotion of the words and you can feel it welling up in um uh, Dick, as he's reading this this touching letter from Alfred, marry that with the backdrop and the colors that that bring that scene, the the sentimentality of that scene, like uh, to life. This was, you said this was one of the your comic book of the week. No, yeah. this may easily be one of the five best comic books I've read this year. This was beautiful. This beautiful artwork. I was a, a fan of Nightwing. Back when I used to, Nightwing was one of the last regular comic books that I collected in from like, you know, from month to month back when uh, Chuck Dixon was writing Nightwing. So that goes how far back that was. But if this team keeps up on it, I'm not going back to monthlies, but this may be the DC book that I start collecting in trades on a regular basis because this was gorgeous. This was gorgeous. Right? Absolutely Man, great. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. yeah the, I, the, the only, I'm going to support monthlies for you so this doesn't get canceled. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. So the two of yeah. us will keep this book going. And you mentioned that he's got like, um, I, it's funny, 
I was feeling a little bit. I the, when you said Hawkeye, that I said, oh, I do see that. But me, I was feeling, especially when he shoots a rope from one of his batons, I was feeling very daredevilish in this a little bit. It's, you know, it's it's a little bit of both, to be honest with you. Yeah. Like just the way that they gridded out, almost like directions. I'm like, oh, that's that's super Aja. But it's, I mean, Nightwing is a playful daredevil, isn't he? He is. Oh no, no, he is. <laughs> He is, and and, uh, and and they're both chick magnets. So yeah, yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. Over here on the with the dog, the the dog biting him. Oh, this is such a wonderful book. This is going oh. to be something that we, when this is collected, or even just this run, is going to be something that we. I, I do feel like it's going to be something we go back and say, well, have you, you know, you don't like Nightwing. Have you ever read Tom Taylor's run? Yep. Like, yeah. if I'm ever going to get into Nightwing, where should I start? Like, here. Yeah. Just they also here. do. The, the artist does um, a really nice little thing that uh, growing up as a Spider-Man fan, I always, there's something about this sort of um, panel that always I gravitated towards. And that is the, the character is moving so fast that there are after images of him. Mm -hmm. And you can watch him bouncing from, you know, person to person as he does these um, aerobatics. Very cool. Uh, and you yeah, know what? I agree. Real quick. I, I was uh, at JD store this weekend when I was picking up my, my, Superman, Batman, Generations, and we got into a fun conversation about artists that can draw uh, kids, and <laughs> this book opens up with a flashback to a young Dick Grayson, and I, yeah. think we're, I think we're meant to believe that that's a young Barbara Gordon as well. I don't know. Yeah, it is. But I think, it, I think it's kind of cool how, while it's not a little Dick Grayson, it definitely is a younger Dick Grayson, and he's, he feels like a young Dick Grayson. Mm -hmm. You could see that character growing into the the Dick Grayson that um, Redondo draws later in the book. And then again, there's a, a lovely page with him and Alfred uh, in there as well. Uh, as and you see a younger Alfred, which which mm -hmm. I I actually appreciated as well. This is oh my god! I I was upset book. when they killed Alfred, but I, I really am enjoying. So uh, in in comic, books, comes, in comic books, everyone comes back sure. in order to sometimes in stories, the best way to articulate how important someone is, is to literally show the whole. So mm -hmm. like um, uh, when Captain America died, we all knew he was coming back, but there was about 25 issues of the main title. That was the whole rest of the cast trying to do what they could to fill the, fill the hole. And that was what was important about that story. It's not the fact that he died and came back. It was highlighting all of these other side characters because of their relation to Captain America, the hole that's, that exists when he's gone. And that's what they're doing with Alfred across all the books. Mm -hmm. and, and I, that's more important than just having someone in a cave. You know, yeah. I really like this kind of era of post Alfred. Ditto. Yeah. I, I, I got emotional during that, that scene with the, the letter. I thought that was great. Oh, also, kind of uh, fun juxtaposition towards the Batman series, which is currently going on by James Tinney in the fourth, wherein Batman has lost all of his money. Uh, but because Alfred is also rich, um, Dick, he left all of his money to Dick. And so Dick now rich and Bruce is poor. So, well, I mean, I mean rich so with they a tell R, us. Right? What's that? Rich with a little R, like millions, yeah. not billions. Yeah. 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 Um, although we have yet to actually see that in the Batman book, they keep telling us that he doesn't have any money, and yet 
He just put in. His, he had to adjust his Batmobile because his brand new engine was too big for it, or some shit. So, well, it was right. it, that was that was just totally misrepresented in the book. It was the fact that he knocked, he took all the tech out because he couldn't afford smaller versions of it to get a better engine. So he was just like, I don't have this oh. anymore. I don't have this anymore. I don't have this anymore because I needed more horsepower. I see. I see. Ah, yeah. that works. That works. I'll take it. Um, all right, let us move on to. The neat, the kookiest book of the week. Holy cats. Mm-hmm. Um, Ultra Mega. So uh, James Heron is a talent that I took note of maybe 10 years ago, I think, with a book called Rumble by John R. Cootie. And uh, it is a modern fantasy kind of series. And the art in it is so was so new and, and vibrant and fresh. And the style, the style was so interesting to me that I just immediately gravitated towards that artist and went Googling him and, and just really like James Heron's artwork Uh, so much so that when I started to see Daniel Warren Johnson, who did uh, woman metal and um, the other one, uh, murder Falcon, I saw that guy and I went, Oh, this guy also likes James Heron because I I felt like they were very simpatico. Um, Mm -hmm. But now I'm very excited. James Heron is back and he's writing and uh, drawing book called ultra mega number one from image comics diamond has this to say about it a cosmic plague has spread transforming everyday people into violent monstrous kaiju only the ultra mega three individuals imbued with incredible powers hold the line against the madness their battles level cities and leave untold horror in their wake now the final reckoning approaches for the ultra mega but is this a war they can even win Fight monsters and stand with humanity in this new Skybound original from the greatest artist of his generation, James Warren, James Heron of Rumble and BPRD, and Eisner award-winning colorist Stewart. Each issue is extra-sized with a 60-page debut that can barely contain its giant heroes, creatures, and devastation. Uh, register pitch, which I've never seen before. The high-impact adventure of Extremity, but with the kaiju-esque monster action scenes of Pacific Rim. Mm-hmm. I, I woke up this morning to read this before the show, even though it was the thing I was looking forward to most this week. And holy shit, uh, it is bonkers, man. It is super fun and disgusting and mm. interesting. And uh, I have I am 43 years old. So even though I grew up in a time where I think Kaiju was at its peak, uh, you know, Godzilla's and and Ultraman and all of these giant dudes towering and destroying cities while fighting each other. It was never a, a, a subgenre that I actually engaged in. Uh, I didn't ever, I never cared about it. And so I saw that James Heron was doing this book and I went, Oh, it's a kaiju book, but I don't give a shit. It's James Heron. And I think this brings a new level to, I think those kaiju pastiche. Um, it's a lot of fun, but it also has a lot of heart. Uh, and some family drama and loss and grief and stuff like that. Um, I, I just think it's this was excellent. I 100% love this book. I can't wait to read more of it. And even if there are no words in this goddamn book, I would stare at it for a long time. <laughs> you would. I know you would. Oh, holy cats, man. This is such a great, great first issue. Um, what did you guys think, Len? Um, this was bonkers this was yeah. an insane comic book i told you jd this felt like if if uh 
Quentin Tarantino had written like the Ultraman movie. That's what this was, man. This was yeah. it, it, an incredibly bananas. Um, and in that regards, it is fun. It is engaging. It is a different look at, you know, kaiju uh, media, which which I am a huge fan of. Um, there definitely is a Ultraman pastiche in it. Um, it does have some real world, you know, drama mixed in it. It does eerily have a heart to it. Um, I think it begs a repeat reading so that you can get even get more engrossed in the story because you may just initially be grossed out by the art. Um, what? Uh, it oh. makes, yeah, this, 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 you do not want to eat this. Watch, don't read this on an empty stomach. This yeah. is, uh, this, it's, it's, it's intense. It's intense, uh, comic book reading, but it is at the end of the day, it is fun. Uh, I, I'm just going to say it's a, it's a lot of fun. And talking about something that I would love to see fully animated in its adult um, glory. Oh, my God. I haven't felt this overwhelmed ple- uh, in a pleasant way by a comic book since the old days of Jeff Darrow's Hard Boiled. This was uh, um, big fun. I enjoyed this a lot. Big fun. Yeah. That's pretty good. I mean, I, yeah, I don't think I have much to add. This was this was just so fucking metal. It was awesome. I loved yeah. it. Loved every second of it. Um, they and just just breaking down story. They accomplished so much in this one issue to the point where, as soon as you understand the status quo, they flip it, flip it, reverse it, smack it on the ass. No, uh, they they flip it and just <laughs> like start a new story. Mm-hmm. Like this is. An incredibly fast-moving, nothing is safe kind of comic, and it's wonderful. Mm. Um, I've been watching kaiju stuff my whole life, and I've never seen anything kind of approached in this um, body horror slash almost Junji Ito kind of way. Um, and it's awesome. This is just e- awesome. Even a little little tiny um, detail is we've got this sort of, he's just a regular guy. Uh, he's, he, I think he used to be a, was he a boxer? boxer? Yeah. Boxer. Yeah. And then he was unemployed or then he was a, a janitor. And then because of technology getting too advanced, uh, they just hired a robot cleaner to take his job. And so he's mm-hmm. just sort of um, unemployed and kind of a schlub, right? Like nothing, not, of, not of his own making. Like mm-hmm. he's a good dude. Right. Yeah. Um, right. The the um the big the way that the uh, the big bad of this issue and maybe for the whole series it's never it's not really clear um, how that big bad is created is so imaginative what happens with all that like this is this could have just been an OGN this was a lot of story just slammed in this was great yeah and, but, and yeah. to be fair people there's a lot of story but it's got a lot of room it's a 66 page comic book so yeah, yeah. it's a perfect bound big right. big boy um, uh, oh but the comics. Had said it was Finish sold out point. everywhere. I've got two copies here. Yeah, I got more copies in before uh, before they sold out. Um, but to finish my point, the tiny little detail of <coughs> he shrinks down. I have the page up here. He shrinks down from becoming um, Ultra Mega uh, to his regular. Of course, he's naked, and his head has not adjusted to his regular <laughs> body size. So he's got his normal body, and then a, just his head is ginormous. 
right. and she's like, ah, it'll it'll fix itself eventually. It takes a while. Um, I just <laughs> like the idea of like becoming normal again is also part of a process that doesn't always go very smoothly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's, it's yeah and change. there's there's some uh, like weird real life questions I'd never asked. So like these three people have been turned into have been given imbued with the power to become ultra megas. Um, and the one dude was laying in bed with his five-year-old when he got imbued with it. And they, they're like, they all apologize to him and give him condolences. Like whatever this process was killed his child and whatever this process was, did something to the other guy. Like this is not a gift at all in any way, shape or form. Right. Right. It's wild. This Um, is wild. that was my question, though. And thank you for bringing that up. Uh, you know, that he had mentioned that he was in bed with his five-year-old son. And they show him post, um, I guess, conversation with the otherworldly being that gave and him his powers. Right. And he's covered in blood. His whole bedroom is covered in blood. But, like, when the other guy wakes up, he's just on his couch and he's totally fine. So I don't know why this guy is covered in Like, what happened to him that he, his child is crushed? I don't know. I, I don't know. I think it's I just it was the, like a surge. That's what I think. It's like just the way that it 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 happened, you know, uh-huh. is it's just that impactful. It's 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 crazy. I mean, there is some ambiguity to that there, but um at the at the end of the day, it was just a very fucking traumatic yeah. uh thing that happened and it it's affected him how he is how he um uses the ultra mega power. It's and like you said, and like no said that's real world shit as as insane as this is that it does take the moment to ask those real world questions and you're like huh yeah you know it's just it's just it's just so thoughtful you know that means that it's not just all bombast you know this is the difference between this comic book and something like nonstop Spider-Man, which to be fair, only it's only like a 20-something pages, but it is nonstop, 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 nonstop. This book is just as nonstop, 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 but it's a better story. It still takes the time to give you two panels about dudes' head shrinking. You know, it does take the time to still kind of like involve you into um who he was before. Very shorthand. You know that that he was a boxer and he was a you know, um, you know he was a, a, a janitor, janitor, lost his job and everything like that. Very shorthand, and then when the action rivets up, it knows it's going to be like boom, 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 boom. It's just a lot more thoughtfully uh, well crafted book, and it's why agreed. this was what made way more fun than nonstop Spider Man. Yeah, agreed. And I'm just James Heron's art. Versus, I mean, I like Chris Pacello for certain things, um, but I do find there is uh, an issue there with his artwork where his foregrounds and his backgrounds blend and it's hard mm-hmm. to see what's going on because they're so busy. Right. Um, but somehow, like as busy as James Heron's layouts are and so packed with um, detail, I never have trouble reading it. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, all right, that is this week's books, guys. We did it. It was a great for comic books. I was really excited about all the things I read. Uh, if if you like this show and like hanging out with us, uh, we only do it because out of the love of, you know, just because of the love of the game. Uh, and if you want to help us out, you can go to patreon.com slash Johnny Destructo and help out the podcast. Uh, it helps things like get us microphone and lighting and uh, maybe pay for some books to read to review. So, yeah. 
that would be great if you could help us out. If you can't help us out, that is absolutely fine. Share, like, comment, subscribe, do all those things uh, just to help us out a little bit. Uh, leave us a review on iTunes if that's your jam. YouTube.com slash ColdPopGo. You can find us there every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. where we review the, uh, the week's comic books. We also do Thunder Rounds throughout the week, which are just 60-second uh, you know, recorded and edited videos where we review books. And, um, oh, Tuesdays at two o'clock, I go live from my comic book store, Johnny Destructo's Hero Complex, to do unboxing videos and go take you through all of the different books, action figures, statues, and graphic novels that I have coming in this week. And that's a fun, a lot of people actually have told me they set the alarm while they're at work and they put me on in the background and it feels like they have a friend with them at work, which is just awesome. What is, what a nice thing to hear. And you can email us at cultpopgo at gmail.com. Um, like, uh, two of the, two of our good friends of the show did this week. We love hearing from all of you. Thank you so much. And let's get on to the snot cut. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, Justice League came out a couple years ago, part of the DC Snyder verse, uh, to not great reviews. I'm going to be honest. Uh, it was kind of lambasted, um, even more so than I think a lot of the Snyder movies have also lambasted. This was to the nth degree. And there was a situation with Zack Snyder and a terrible, terrible tragedy in his family while he was making the the Justice League film that he envisioned, and a good portion of it was finished, but he wound up leaving the production, um, not just because of what happened uh, in his family, but also because he said he was tired of fighting. He just didn't have the have it in him anymore to fight the studio to make the movie he wanted to make. And mm -hmm. he wound up just leaving the production and said, Pe peace out Holmes and uh, Holmes smell you later. And uh, the, the studio wound up getting Joss Whedon. And I thought in my heart of hearts, Oh, what an excellent choice. I grew up loving Joss Whedon. I love mo the Avengers movies and I love what he's done uh, to, you know, varying degrees, but mostly I enjoy Joss Whedon and he came in and, put his spin on it and produced what I would call a Frankenscience version of the justice league that felt inconsistent. Uh, I think there were good and bad things for that movie. I think Snyder brought some good and bad. I thought Joss Whedon brought some good and bad, but overall the experience of those, of the dichotomy of those two very different directors trying to engage each other in storytelling just failed. What, what, it's the scroll a review in six parts. Oh, funny. <laughs> um, so uh, then we have, you know, Zack Snyder's Justice League. Thanks to the toxic fan bros, uh, the Snyder bros who were like, even if it's a My Little Pony uh, thing on the Internet, they'd be like, release the Snyder cut. And it's like, guys, this is a Wendy's fucking relax. Um, but they got what they wanted. Um, and here we are. Uh, Snyder went back and he produced what was going to be a longer movie, but then was going to be a six part mini series, but then went back to being a, just a super long movie for some reason. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I think that was contractual, right? Like I, I, I heard rumblings that that was mainly like, um, so these people, all these people in the movie were contracted specifically for a film changing the parameters of that contract in order to make it six episodes across a different channel. It would be a whole thing. So Interesting. It's really like it has to be released in one oh. clip. Yeah. There's Fair also, still the, there's also still the desire to bring it out in the movie theaters when movie theaters yeah. on the thing again. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, it's out. It happened. We all watched it. It's four hours and change. And, um, my personal thing was, uh, I, I, I don't care for Zack Snyder's version of his Superman. That's his Superman is not a Superman that I find to be, uh, accurate. Um, but you know, it's a different world. It's a multiverse where different things happen, and and maybe your Superman um, just it looks like a horrifying sociopath anytime he's on screen, and um, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine for people who like that sort of thing. So uh, that said, I was curious. I, what I wanted to happen was Zack Snyder to be able to finish his vision because he was hired to do a thing, and then sort of was cut off at the kneecaps from finishing that thing, right? Uh, mostly because bad reviews and the studio got nervous, but uh, I was excited for this gentleman to come back in and sort of do the thing that he was promised. Mm-hmm. And I think that it is long, but it is better than the Joss Whedon cut. I think it's a little too long. I think it's it, it, is the phrase navel gazy. Is that what I want to say? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it just it, what's what's that what's Dolphin, that line Dolphin. from the there's a line from Family Guy where he, he says, it insists upon itself. Yes. Uh, and someone goes, what the fuck does that even mean? Uh, but for some reason, <laughs> that nonsense phrase makes sense to me uh, with regards to this. Uh, I think there is some really, really good stuff in here. I think that this is a much more uh, fun and involved experience than the the Joss Whedon cut. I really did appreciate a lot of the stuff that was put back in, like the cyborg stuff, which I think is kind of the heart mm. of the whole piece. Mm-hmm. And I was I was really pleasantly surprised by all of that. Mm-hmm. And um, I think what if we had a perfect version of this movie, it would be some of this, a lot of the Snyder stuff with a little sprinkling of some of the Joss Whedon stuff that he brought in, some of the characterization, some, a little bit of the humor. Uh, and I think that would be the perfect version of this movie. But uh, overall, I think it was fun and uh, a nice experiment. Um, and the worst part of it, and I, the part that I keep wishing wasn't even there, was the epilogue nightmare scene with the Joker, but we will get to that later. Um, Rob Patey. Hi. Previous co-host of the Spoiler Alert podcast. Welcome. Thank you for joining us again. What did you think of the Snyder Cut? <sighs> so many thoughts. Um, should have been two movies uh, from the outset. We do this these days. All right, no, easy. Um, we do this these days with everything. Harry Potter was a two-part ending. Um, if you need to tell four hours worth of story, which I believe they do, I believe they needed more time because what Snyder is ultimately trying to do is set the stage for the fourth world. And those who are in the comics will know what the fourth world is. Jack Kirby, the genius of comic books, it took 20 years for the fourth world to stick in comics. I mean, when Jack originally moved over from Marvel to DC, the man fell into a deep depression because after a year, it wasn't enough time to draw the story out and everybody became nervous Nellies. Dark Side is your end point. He is not your beginning point. And I think that's been the fundamental problem with the entire Snyderverse from Man of Steel through to Justice League, was that that, that plan to have Darkseid be the ultimate villain? It was too fast, too rushed, and I believe it was just a reactionary 
to Thanos being in the Marvel Universe. And I put that squarely on the cowardice and the idiocy of Warner Brothers executives. And, you know, we were deep in the ain't a cool review time during when all these shenanigans were going on. We were getting all the press releases. We were getting all the blarg, blarg, blarg becomes a new vice president of Warner Brothers. Yeah. And I would go and look at blarg, blarg, blarg on LinkedIn and go, what the sh sweet shit sticks. This person can look at a spreadsheet, but knows fuck all about comic books. And that right there derails everything when you got a guy like Kevin Feige, who knows the business and knows the books, running things at Marvel. This was, all of this, a perfect shitstorm. Too many cooks. Too many cooks. Too many cooks, but a person who is an auto mechanic <laughs> in the kitchen to become a cook. Yeah. In the kitchen. I was going to say, like, it's, it's too many accountants in the kitchen. It's yeah. not even nice. Nice. It's not even a cook. Right. Well right. done. Right. That's great. Uh, but, but the movie itself. What did you think? It was fine. It was infinitely better than the Whedon cut. Yeah. Because he had four freaking hours to make a movie. Mm. Uh, a, a million monkeys typing into infinity will eventually produce Shakespeare, and voila, we have the Snyder cut. Thank you, Douglas Adams. Word up. <laughs> Uh, no. Um, I pretty much agree. It's like the um, it's it's mildly faint praise to say it's better than the theatrical version because that's a wildly low bar, especially when you're when you apply two and a half hours more footage to make your story make more sense. Um, it's like, well, yeah, it has to be better. If it's not, then what are you just filming grass growing? Like, yeah, it's more story. It makes more sense. It's better. Um, I think I'd put if um if the theatrical version was like a D, this is like a C plus. Um, I hate that it had to be four hours in order to make sense. I I still from jump don't love this depiction of Superman. Uh, actually, that was one of my biggest notes. Yeah, this movie's better, but. How the characters in this world respond to Superman's death still doesn't jive with how he was depicted in two other movies slash six other hours of media with him involved. Like, yeah. I I don't know where that circle was squared off screen, but it just it's you're you're starting your movie from an inorganic story point, and it just mm -hmm. everything else is off balance, right? Yeah. And everyone that says it was it was in there, it was in there. No, you're applying it because just taking from what was on screen with Superman. No, it wasn't from, from the beginning. He was wrapping tractor trailers around poles mm -hmm. in fits of anger. Like, no, uh, it was, it was fine. I have a, I, I don't know if you guys want to play a game later after Len gives his overall, uh, I took notes the whole time because I didn't know if I was going to be able to sit down and watch it in one clip, just like random notes. And then went back to look at them and I want to share some of the excerpts and you tell me what scene it was. Sure. Um, more than anything else, I, I appreciated the cyborg story. Yeah. Um, yeah, this needed to be two movies, but not this movie sliced in two because there's no right. natural end, end point, point at mm -hmm. all. This is one movie. 
mm-hmm. it needed to be more movies to establish these characters so you had a shorthand for them in a movie like this. Yeah. The Avengers took five movies to get to, and it, they all were focused on. So by the time it got to all of them in a room, you have shorthand for all of these characters and their motivations. Yeah. You can't do that in two hours. You could barely do it in three hours. Mm-hmm. Four hours seems to be the magic number, being able to give everyone functional motivations yeah. when you have seven main characters. Yeah. That's not that's not sustainable. I'm not going to go to the movies for a four-hour masterpiece. Right. Well, and the other thing is that you're not looking at it through the lens of people who are not as ingrained in comics as we are. Right. We all know comic books. So our minds are filling in a lot of holes Mm -hmm. as we watch these films. And I'll say the same thing for Batman versus Superman, starting with the Dark Knight Returns. And then that callback that Joker does at the end of this to killing Robin. That has no gravitas for somebody who has not read a shit ton of comic books and remembers a death in the family from the 80s. Right. It just doesn't hold the same. It does not hold the yeah. same weight for your casual film goer, where the Marvel movies can appeal to both audiences, can appeal to those of us that are steeped in the religion of comics and those that are merely cursory fans that go and watch it in the films. Yeah, you're, you're right. We're so deep into it that I didn't even make the connection that, like, he does make reference to killing his partner, but. That's only in reference to, for just a moviegoer, that's only in reference to a statue as an Easter egg in the background of a scene. Right. Two movies Correct. ago. Right? Okay, right. But, yeah, you're but, right. You're right. But also to the casual casual listener or viewer, um, even the most casual of viewers seeing somebody talk to Batman and reference their partner, they're going to think a Robin. They may not be thinking the Robin that he killed, but they're going to think of a Robin because that is historically the partner of Batman. In regards to this film, I got a couple quick little notes and then we can get deep into it. Sure, this could have been two movies. I argue that this could have been maybe just still the one movie um, if you just, you know, put the one hour of slow motion in real time, then you'd have one movie. So yeah. I, I would argue, you, still, you know, I mean, it doesn't take one minute for Lois Lane to walk down the street with two cups of coffee. Only if you do it in super slow mo with, you know, some <laughs> choir singing over her walking or whatever the fuck. But first of all, but my first thought is I want you guys to return to me with me to the glorious year years of the 80s which i have returned to recently in my rewatching of one of the greatest cop shows of all time hill street blues which is streaming all seven seasons on hulu and i have been enjoying it fantastically but the one thing that i cannot escape from this rewatching of this series from the 80s is that because it was made in the 80s it is Streaming with bars on the sides of it because of the aspect ratio of televisions back in the 80s. That's just the way they did things. So that's the way it has to stream now. I'm fine with it. My eyes adjusted. Now we bring to Zack Snyder's Justice League, which begins with a message from Warner Media letting us know that to... Uh, it, for the sake 
of the artistic integrity of Zack Snyder, this film will now be shown for four hours in the aspect ratio of Hill Street Blues from the <laughs> Are you out of your fucking mind? Get the IMAX. IMAX is t- IMAX is taller. Get the fuck out of here. I get the fuck. This isn't IMAX. It's my team. Get the fuck out of here. That's bullshit. I'm sorry. I am sorry. I read an article where it was all about the IMAX and he fell in love with the taller and all this other Watanabe bullshit. Get the fuck out of here. And if you're going to do something in the IMAX, then God damn it, it better be something on the screen that looks IMAX worthy. And I will, while I will argue that the scene of Bruce Wayne walking with his horse across all these mountaintops to make his way to Aquaman maybe looks like your traditional, ooh, that would be grand and an IMAX. There is nothing else in this film that screams that it needs to be IMAX. Certainly not the green screen of Themyscira where people are just sliding around, not even looking like they're in real space or time of fighting this Big, I will admit, better rendered Stephen Wolf in this film. Get the fuck out of here with that aspect ratio shit. Yeah. That being said, is this better than 2017's? Sure, it's a better story. Is the heart returned to the movie by putting in more of uh, the cyborg story, sure. And now you can understand why Ray Fisher, despite what may have gone on behind the scenes, is was pissed about this movie because all of his work was cut out. Yeah. You know, he basically became a plot device in this movie, and the real plot device that should have been was kept, which was Superman, because he is only just a gun in this movie. That is yeah. all he is. That's true. He's 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 better loaded in this in this one. He make I will give him that. But he at the end of the day is a is a gun. Yeah. There's a lot of this movie that doesn't make any sense. While it's better than 2017's version, it is still I argue not a good movie. And it's just unfortunately slowly more of it. Yeah. I'll, I definitely agree with the slow motion stuff. Uh, if, if you could get rid of a lot of that slow motion, uh, which just feels so ponderous, um, it Damn. doesn't really need to be there. Uh, I think Noel had said something like, he, I don't know what burger he's talking about, but he said he timed it. There was 30 seconds of someone reaching for a burger, uh, which I don't remember. All I remember are hot dogs. Like I remember hot dogs in the yeah. creepy Bart Allen scene, or I'm sorry, the creepy Barry Allen scene where right. – um, uh, for some reason, a woman's life is in peril. Uh, she's about to get, sp- you know, she's in the middle of a car accident. She's about to die horribly. And uh, while saving her, he stops to caress her face. Uh, this strange, strange woman he's never spoken to and actually never speaks any lines in the film. No. Nope. Um, I thought that was kind of creepy and weird. Um, uh, I think that whole flash sequence didn't need to even be in there. It, it does nothing to further the plot of the film. It doesn't even tell us his origin story. It's just... He needs a job. Pretty lady, touch your face, you're saved. Um, Boy, yeah. touch her face, touch a hot dog, yeah. and then you're saved. You I, can't forget that part. That's true. That's true. He does take the minute to get the hot dog. There before, it is. Before um, 
uh, actually actually saving her. That's true. Yeah. That's very true, Rob. You make a good point there. He is uh, uh, he is heavily heavily on the spectrum. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, that was an interesting choice. So, um, the forty seconds, the thirty nine point five nine seconds of reaching for a hamburger, that's what precipitates the car accident. The the oh, garbage guy. Drops a burger. Oh, that's nice. right. Oh, so long. Like, like, yeah. um, uh, Austin Powers screaming no from the steamroller. <laughs> long. You know what? I, I went think... back and, and timed it. Like dropping the burger. The fr- not even dropping the burger from the first reach for it. Forty seconds of movie. Yeah. It wasn't just the burger. At one point, there's this white thing falling down for probably 25 that, seconds. A drop of mayo or something. Yeah, it's like is a CGI dollop of mayo. Yeah. It was, oh. it was a seed. From it, looked the like a to- it, looked like, it looked like a tooth. Oh. Yeah, oh it was God. a seed. I think it was a seed. You're right. Yeah. You're right. This was um, wildly indulgent for no reason. Randy says, I love you guys, but the, for, the decision to have the four same opinions on the show is soft. Um... I, I commented there was no decision made uh, besides, you know, Noel and I had sort of like went back and forth and, and sort of talked about it. I don't know any of the other guys's um, points of view on, oh my God, <laughs> points of view on the movie. No decision was like, let's just get all the same opinion. Uh, I think that's just what happened. happened and we don't that- have the same opinion because I don't think, because y'all all for the most part said that the movie um, was fine. I don't think the movie is fine. I think it's a, I think it's a, a piece of self-indulgent uh, dirge of a film. Like why, why, why does Wonder Woman, every time she lifts an eyebrow, there has to be a music sting for every yeah. goddamn thing she does. I mean, I mean, I'm a, I like Gal Gadot, Godot as as Wonder Woman as much as a lot of people, but everything she does does not need a music sting. She doesn't need like yeah. when she walks doesn't need a music sting. There doesn't need to be like you know how many choirs is he employed in this movie? Like everything is like literally one on screen. <laughs> they, <No way. laughs> they they sing they sing like an Icelandic tune. Uh, while Aquaman is swimming away for like, I don't know, two full minutes. I have a theory on that. I believe that was an entire fertility ceremony because the musk of Aquaman can induce <laughs> ovulation. I say, I say. Right. So that was a whole fertility yeah. ceremony thing I, in that Icelandic region. I think the music, one of the most egregious, besides the slow mo, I think one of the most egregious things in this film is the the soundtrack. Like the musical choices are so yeah. cringe-inducing to absolutely laughable. Mm. Um, uh, I think there's a. I don't want to shit on this film as as much as we as we are. Uh, I think <laughs> this was an experience for me. For the most part, I think I I really enjoyed it. I went from you know, kind of hating it to be like, oh man, this is, this is kind of fun. I'm enjoying, this is a fun experience as a, as a nerd to sit down and watch four hours of these characters and, and inter- they're interacting and that sort of stuff. The, um, I actually, I actually liked the score. Hang on. I liked the, um, folding in, uh, Superman's theme from this universe mm-hmm. and the actual music cues that they use at the end that, is the Justice League music cue like it's the it's yeah. folding in the orchestral of the five of them and then they kind of bring in all that percussion from the Superman theme that was 
straight fire. That was awesome. I've watched that scene three or four times because that score was great. Every time that they did stupid guitar riffs for them walking through a room, it's the most yeah. edgelord bullshit I've ever seen in a in a blockbuster film. I hated it. Hated every second of it. And it was My- only ever interrupted by the weird chorus, like the choral yeah. of every time that she just like walked into a room also. Yeah. It was so when she I don't want to sh- the the design of this movie is so weird. Like the costume design of this movie is so weird too, because she's working in the Louvre, right? Um, uh, and I, I mean, I, it, white pantsuit, wasn't she? It wasn't a white no, pantsuit. No, no. One, we saw her in the in the in the eighties. By twenty twenty one or twenty seventeen, when this this movie takes place, we are we are left to believe that she has not learned how to pull her punch to the point where she is not smashing someone's head into a wall and leaving it caved open and leaving all this blood strewn all over place and can't take out somebody. Um, the only way to take out a dude is by the overkill of clanging her bracelets together and blowing out the entire room with all of these kids still yeah. there. When she that hasn't little girl, developed that skill yet. When Get that little girl wouldn't stand up. I was immediately, I was just like, I'd be fucking frightened as well. Like this yes. woman just, just like manhandled, murdered, splattered their blood everywhere and exploded the side of the wall. Like, I don't know. What she, she couldn't on, stand on to the police. Herself. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it, it's, it misses the mark. Just like everything else in this, right? Just misses the mark. Um, the next one, uh, actually I do have a, to just give her money like right as a as an audience member as a viewer of a movie when they telegraphed things it took four seconds of seeing this waitress collect change to know okay hero man put money in her account right we sit with it for over a minute and a half of watching her struggle to the point where she's on the ground crying at an eviction notice Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. it's it's the weird indulgence that is yeah. completely unnecessary just to watch human suffering or something. I, I, it was just, it was, it was very, it was a very odd choice. Well, and like, cyborg cyborg also has one of the weirdest user interfaces into the net of anybody. Yeah. Being, right. I mean, that's, that's an interesting way to be able to talk to computers. And I actually, I actually, it is interesting. I, while I would have liked for it to have maybe a slightly different, um, for lack of a better word, filter on it to just get to kind of like just break it off a little bit more from reality. I like the idea of him just being in like this dimension type of thing. I, I kind of like that. But yeah, it is way too self-indulgent. That's where you need a an editor to just say, all right, thank you, Zach. Now let me work. Yeah, a little bit. And, and you know what, too, like that, I think that, that goes back to the, the whole point of this or not the whole point, but the whole problem with this everything but the kitchen sink style of released the Snyder cut, the original version. Mm-hmm. Um, he still could have used an edit, you know? Yeah. Like still could have, still could use an edit. Also, um, hey baby. Um, I mean, that's five opinions now. I'm, I'm assuming Kai watched yeah, it. How did you feel of, about it? Because according to Parker, the Zack Snyder Justice League cut sucks. So let's go. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, the, one of the other ones that I want to bring up, and this is, are, this is a nitpick, but are Jim Gordon's messages written on wet rags? <laughs> <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about, right? I pulled yeah, up, a, yeah. I, I 
pulled up a screenshot of it too because it was just like Jim, here's your messages. And what? Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. is it is it papyrus? Yeah. <laughs> like what's happening? It's I, I understand that games. Gotham's not well funded, <laughs> but still. Yeah. It's just it's a very moist police precinct. Yeah, I mean they need some dehumidifiers in that bitch if it's yeah. if it's that like wet everywhere. Yeah. No one's hair stays up. Like it's just a terrible also, place to work. Also, what a great uh, commissioner where he takes all of his important m- messages and immediately throws <laughs> it in the garbage. <laughs> you see I Michael Scott? Oh, these go into the uh, the uh, important bin, and he just throws them in the trash. Um. Uh. The other um British dolphins. How you guys feel about that? Oh, I mean, British Dolphins, is that from the nightmare at the end where all of a sudden Mira has a ridiculous um, accent? Oh, that's the whole movie. She has a ridiculous yeah, accent. But accent. the way that they, yeah. like, it's interesting seeing the Aquaman movie after this. This should have been the original version of of how they mm-hmm. communicate and what the, how they're depicted. They're just dolphin noise trilling to each other. Oh, and then oh. in a bubble, they have British accents. Oh, that didn't bother me. I kind of thought that was kind of neat. I didn't notice that. And I don't think that happened in the, the Joss Whedon cut. But I thought that no, was kind of neat that they would like speak as as sea life speak to each other while they're underwater. Because it's not like you could just be like, you know, and understand each other. That part was super cool. But then as soon as it was just like a really thick British accent, I was like, what? Yeah, that was weird. British dolphins? Yeah. Yeah, but see, but me, I was wondering... I guess the physics of it, when they open their mouth, there's water rushing in their mouth, but they're built for this. Like, to me, they should be able to talk in the water. Like, I didn't understand why they needed to be into a bubble. They should be English. Well, that too. That too, uh, Rob. You're right. Uh, The the English, I mean, look, man. It's it's just, it was weird. That's a movie trope, man. Almost every time you go to a different planet, you know, they've got like some type of British accent. That's just, that's what movies do. Yeah, this is just having fun nitpicking. I look at it from the lens of, look at it from Beauty and the Beast, right? The live action Beauty and the Beast. Mm -hmm. They're in France, but everybody's got a British accent. (laughs) But then you've got two pieces of Tupperware that speak in French accents. Right. That's funny, yeah. Uh, That's called uh, a continuity of character. Um, uh, A couple of really quick ones uh, that kind of like tossed me off. Tossed me off. (laughs) Sure. Um, Home for the Emotionally Troubled. Arkham Home. Mm-hmm. Did you guys oh. see that sign? Yeah. I've, yeah, I've never seen it referred to that as, at all. Is that like an ableist thing, or or they don't like to say asylum or insane anymore? Like or I didn't criminal. get the choice. Well, I know they don't say yeah. criminal on it anymore, but uh, I I don't know. Who knows? I don't know. It was just really weird. Like I I read it really fast and then paused it. I was like, Arkham Home, troubled. Yeah. That's neat. okay. Okay. Um. Uh, no transitions, but that's wasn't the ship busted at the end. Like when the when the carrier ship comes to pick them all up, I'm like, didn't you crash that shit? Oh, did you explode oh, it? And crash that shit? No, he didn't crash it. My question at the end of that was, he you finally know, landed into a building. His um, Bruce's uh, his 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 project. The entire movie is, I got to get this thing up and running. No yeah. one's been able to get it up and running, and I'm going to get it up and running. It is a troop carrier. We need this troop carrier. Dog, why? There's seven of you. Just it's get an, hard, S- like an SUV would work just fine. You don't need a troop carrier. I think uh, the army, I think the army's pretty much figured it out. I think yeah, they have yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that, now, that, um, 
I mean, I to be fair, didn't wasn't the Batmobile in it? Yeah, his car. Yeah, yeah. It was for his car. I just thought that was um, funny. I, I will say something that I really, really did like. I liked the main climax, the oh. um Barry. Oh. Barry, yes. Back in time. So that for was yeah, wonderful. so in the original movie, we had that like Russian family that no one ga- cared about that Joss mm. Whedon sort of put in there for no good reason. Um, made no sense. Made no sense. No. It was then they were like cringeworthy awful. Um, so I'm glad that we got rid of those. And then at the end, um, we had uh, Cyborg trying to separate the, or, you know, prevent the unity from happening and he fails. And I was yep. actually legit surprised by that. And the fact that Barry just had a throwaway line earlier where he's like, if I, you know, when he was getting ready to activate the uh, mother box to resurrect Superman, he goes, if I run super fast, you know, to a certain extent, it messes with time a little bit. And I like that he purposely has to do that at the very end of the film to sort of like Superman fly around the earth in reverse time mm-hmm. in order to uh, prevent the um, the unity yeah. from happening. Although why Superman didn't help before that, he was just too busy walloping what's his nuts in the chest to like help with the actual world ending problem. That's yeah. fine. Uh, but it, yeah, the whole, th- yeah, the whole thing with the gotta break the rule and how they depicted it all was, was, and also too, there's another part too, where the score changed to give Barry for the first time in the movie, like his own little theme. Mm-hmm. And it was really, it was really nice. And then they looped it into the justice. League. Oh, I missed there are it. pieces of this to. movie that are wonderful, but yeah. they are encapsulated in such dour, gray, odd character motivations that they're hard to cheer for. Speaking so of gray, uh, you know how jo- uh, how Zack Snyder is constantly mocked for the fact that he there's like hardly any color in his movie. Well, now he's finally going to what he wants, which is the Justice is Gray Snyder cut, which is he's going to re-release it all in black and white, yeah. just what you want. Hey, why why the black suit? There's that, no okay. reason for the black suit. This yeah, is absolutely none. When I saw that there were images of him in the black suit for the Snyder Cut, I was like, oh, okay, there must have been a sequence where they engaged the black suit from the comic books, which is specifically designed to uh, help Superman, who has now been under the, you know, in the ground for however long and has no access to the uh, solar power of the sun, which fuels him. So he comes out of the, the ground powerless. So he has the black suit to help him and to help him reabsorb the uh, the sun's uh, radiation. And here it's just, nah, man, I just, I have a closet and there's this black one in there that I've never worn. So um, that's going to be my new suit for no goddamn reason. It'll really help in contrast when I'm standing next to Batman, who's also clad in black. Go ahead. It'll also, it'll also do all the, uh, the extra work that I need to ingratiate myself and not scare people. Right. Right. Thank you. It makes it absolutely makes no sense. And especially since he passes his suit. It's not like, you know, that's the only thing that was presented. He passed his suit and was like, nah, that was last year. Let me get I want to I want to be black. You know, there's something about that Batman thing, that aesthetic that really spoke to me. It absolutely makes no sense. And at the end, if he had the and. I heard somebody say it was because he was dead. Well, then at the end, when he when that scene is, he would have back on his regular suit, but he doesn't. And, and it, I, I'm fine with him having the black suit. I just want there to be a reason for it. And there's yeah, absolutely was, no reason the, for it. This is the overall problem in that he was trying to satiate longtime fans 
without putting in the actual hard work that comic right. books have done, right? Okay, why is Batman 20 years later? The only mm -hmm. reason the Dark Knight Returns resonated so much with all of us and knocked us on our asses in 1986, 1987, was because we had been reading about a young and vibrant Batman for, for 40 plus years. And then we all went, oh shit, middle-aged and he's kind of dark and doesn't give a shit. It's called contrast. Mm -hmm. And there was none of that world building done in any of this universe. So Superman Randy, with the blood. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, Randy's I'm commenting, right. but if they explained the black suit would have helped, it would have been longer. Y'all mofos, man. You know what we could have done? Uh, gotten rid of uh, a good 45 minutes of slow-mo and then we would have had time to explain Plenty of the black time. suit. To explain that it's it's cool, okay? Like like I even get showing up in that final fight in the black suit. It's yeah. it's it's a resurrection. It's a return. Yeah. Also, too, even as just like a a nerd knowing the actual origin of the black suit, how it absorbs better. The next scene where he goes and bees Jesus Christ in makes sense. in front of the sun makes sense. Him continuing to wear it in perpetuity doesn't make sense when he opens up his 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 suit, his suit the, at the, the end exactly but then also in the flash forwards that have no explanation and there's no fucking reason for them okay. at all um he's still wearing his black suit holding presumed dead lois and then dark side gets him with the anti-life and yeah and then in the rest of the nightmare when he's evil he's wearing red and blue so as a filmmaker what are you telling me Mm. Yeah. Mm. What? Yeah. There's mm. there doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason. The color to scheme. That yeah. The the color coding or, or just the coding that you're choosing with this character is he's back and good. Blay black monochromatic. Separated. He's evil now and murderous. Original. Like yeah, it didn't make any sense. How did you code this character and why does it make sense? Yeah. No, it doesn't. I tell you another another. You you picked a net. Uh, no, and allow me to pick a net. But going to to that end when the movie the, the movie is over they 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 vanquish the the bad guy huzzah and they all climb to the top of this nuclear thing wherever they are now batman being old crusty batman everybody else can fly or run up to the top but batman's going to use his catapult and that's fine he he uses his catapult he gets to the top superman helps him up and then we get this glorious image of all of them standing on the top, looking out at this nuclear wasteland. But they're looking triumphantly. Well, okay, they're 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 having their triumphant moment. Yes, and strike the superhero pose, and and the camera, you know, you know, uh, goes across all of them. You see all their faces flash inside Borg or high five, and it's all cool. Then the camera cuts to. The ship coming up and opening up so that they can, you know, depart. After which we flip back for another scene of them looking out triumphantly from where they are still standing there. The movie has now established that they are just looking victoriously and gloriously the ship. at the back of the ship. <laughs> That's a poor edit. That's a poor edit. Yeah. Just get That's, the yeah. fuck on the ship and let's I go. <laughs> That's a Too poor funny. edit. He worked uh, really hard that. on that ship, though. So <laughs> that's you know, true. He did work a lot. Of, yeah, half of the movie the whole he was working I mean, on that ship. Cyborg yeah. made it work. 
Can we talk yeah. about um, the nightmare at the end? Um, as oh, much yeah. as I, wait, 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 wait. I, I'm sorry to cut you off. I just wanted to give one little thing before we go to the end because I know we're going to spend a lot of time there. I do want to say we we've all talked about how much cyborg story is the heart to this, mm-hmm. and it is the one thing I will say. I didn't like the film. But I do think having seen that story in its totality, his story, while there could have been edits to it, the fact that so much of it was ripped out of the theatrical release is very egregious. That is really fucked up. That is really fucked up because there is so much there that is actually good stuff. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, it, it, is it maybe a little still ponderous? Does some of the beats um, repeat a, a bit? Yeah. But to have it totally excised from the 2017 version is really fucked up and maybe speaks to a, a window into the world of those other creators outside of Zack Snyder and their thoughts about the the movie and to a degree to you know echo some of Ray Fisher's um viewpoints about uh yeah. him and the character itself. Well and I think part yeah. of it was I think part of it was also the shenanigans from DC because if you mm. look at all that storyline that was exactly the new 52 Justice yep. League. Yep. Right. It was very heavily cyborg focused because that was one character you really hadn't been fully. We all knew cyborg as a Titan. Right. Mm -hmm. And for him Mm -hmm. coming into the Justice League in the new 52, that required sort of a reintroduction of the character. And a lot of time was spent bringing his story forward in those initial JLA runs. And they got a lot of flack for it. And I wonder if that was DC also stepping in with some of their shenanigans saying, yeah, this didn't work so well when we ran this in the comics six years ago I, and we had to do I a hard know. pivot from it. I don't it, know either, it was, but I'm it guessing. Was, it was Jeff Johns who um, who made that kind of hard press for Cyborg to be graduated, right? Like that right. started in Flashpoint. So like the the world of Flashpoint was, was yeah. Cyborg is the greatest superhero in the world that didn't have Superman. Um, and then he's the one that that put him into prominence during um, the new Fifty Two Justice League. Like mm-hmm. he's the he's the new character, the the fresh new character in right. Yeah. And all of the backlash uh, is also directed at Johns. So yeah. did he double guess or second guess his character, or did he hands off it and it was actually other? executives and Whedon and stuff that excise the whole story. Or if you know anything, or like, you know, we, we all kind of watch all these documentaries and stuff with, when it comes to, when it comes to editing a movie or restructuring a movie, mm-hmm. one plot point could get rid of like one plot point that has to be yeah. moved right. gets yeah. rid of full story yeah. arcs, which is yep. garbage. Yeah. But um, that's not to say though, that yeah, he was hosed hard. And mm-hmm. like, with that original you look movie, at, that makes no sense. And you look at that time that they took out, and then you talk about you know the Ukrainians and the bathtub, and once again that they that we added in. I think once again this is them just trying to cookie cutter success off of what came before. Think of what came out right before Justice League: Age of Ultron, where you have yep. a whole scene with Ukrainians in a fucking bathtub. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. 
Um, I it, I loved as much as I didn't like some of the um, how they how they depicted his interface, and I'm sorry, but Zack Snyder cannot effectively execute a metaphor for his life. Um, mm. Like in in the interface, him seeing like they talk about the over the the voiceover talks about the. Um, the stock market and it's a bear and a bull literally fighting. I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah. And then when he has to um, separate the unity and it's him, his mother and his father standing there, like I get it. I get it. You need to separate the family. Cause that's the unity. And it's in his head. Like, it's just, there are these, these fine points that are, that are hammered in with a fucking sledgehammer. He's, he, like he, he, no he bludgeons. He, he, yeah. And that's just been a staple of his movie making since square one. He yep. bludgeons the point. Yeah. JD makes the point to, uh, he had to leave the stream for two seconds, but he's still paying attention. I think it might also be just the current fear of DC management to have characters featured right. who aren't Batman and Superman. I completely agree with that. Mm -hmm. um, all the leaders yeah. either had movies already or movies in production to promote except Cyborg. Actually, no, Cyborg was in development. And announced a cyborg. He was, an, he was announced. I don't know how far the development had gone, but yeah, yeah he certainly was announced. That's true. Like he was supposed to have his own movie that's now gone. And then he was supposed to be in Flashpoint that's now gone. Oh, is it, uh, yeah, I, I so that's been I guess probably because of Ray Fisher's beat. Yeah, they don't want to yeah. work with Ray Fisher, which is yeah. unfortunate. Because he was great in this movie. He was as much as I as much as I don't like like the, all the things that they did with him in the story, he really was the linchpin for the entire plot. Mm -hmm. um, his his experience, his capabilities, and his point in the story made sense at every single juncture. Mm -hmm. The casting and, and, was fine all around. I, I didn't yeah. have a problem with the um, casting of anybody. I don't love Ezra Miller as Barry Allen, but it's fine. <sighs> I, I don't. I don't. Mm -hmm. I'll say this. I don't necessarily love this Barry. Barry Allen, but right. I don't think Ezra Miller does a bad job with it. You know Which what I'm he was told to do. Right. He's manic. Right. The whole the whole movie, he's just he's he's manic. And I, I don't somebody that is that in tune with this well, he has Asperger's. Of power. I mean, if, if that's a story point, then then sure, if it's implied, I I don't know to do that. I gotta go. Yeah, I I I I I didn't have a problem with him. I also, to JD's point, because he said he thought that um, there this maybe needed a little bit more of the humor from from the Whedon's version or theatrical release. Mm -hmm. uh, I disagree. I actually think that the humor that was here is not as forced as in the Whedon version, uh, and thus his. And, and and to be fair, most of it does come from the Flash character. I actually felt that it was, um, it felt more genuine. And because of that, I think the the implication of whatever you know mental state he actually is in actually reads more in this version than it did in the 2017 version, which is why I I, I didn't mind that so much. It, well, everything had more room to breathe because there was actual more room to, to breathe. Right. I mean, there was more room to breathe, right? Because <laughs> it was four hours. Right. We got totally abandoned by everybody, didn't we? <laughs> we sure did. 
<laughs> we should we don't have a control over like we can't bring up the comments or anything like that. No, but, no. But it's, so it's still cool. Was there anything else that you wanted to to speak on uh in regards to the film though, Rob? Well, we should talk we should talk about the ending at some point. But yeah, it would but be nice uh, to have the I, other two guys on the line as we did that. True. True. Mars Comics says I'm here. Well, that's good. Thank and, you, Mars. And, hey Mars, what's up? What's up? We see you, bro. We do see yeah. you. Um, I will pick another nit, and JD just came back. Well, I will pick another nit that in the beginning, and then again, this is another editing thing that pissed me off. Going back to the whole bank scene or whatever that scene is with Wonder Woman, I'm, I'm not exactly sure where these crooks are breaking into, but you see the crooks pull up to the, the van pulls mm-hmm. up to this bank and they literally pull up across the street from the bank, across the street from the front door. The lead guy gets out, suited up, taps on the door, at which point the sliding door opens and about seven or eight guys get out brandishing firearms. Mm-hmm. The lead guy then crosses the street. I think he has a brief, he's carrying a briefcase. Mm-hmm. He Bomb. crosses the street, literally crosses the street, ladies and gentlemen, walks past the guard who was there with a gun, walks past him like, hello, Tom, and just keeps walking past, at which point the guard doesn't, doesn't say anything, doesn't react, but then reacts because from across the street, those nine guys brandishing guns are now coming at him, walking directly towards him in his sight line with their guns brandished, and it's only then that he starts to pull his gun before he is peppered with bullets. He did not see them pull up right in front of his sight line, get out of the car with their guns locked and loaded, ready to march on on pawn with the guy in the briefcase that he just let walk by him as if he was Tom from upper management. That made no sense. It's well, he was bad editing a briefcase to be fair. Yeah, yeah. But he got <laughs> you be quiet, Rob. Right. <laughs> that made absolutely no sense. That that pissed me off. I said, oh, this is what we're in here for. This is crazy. And to Josh Wheaton's credit, probably, that is not in the 2017 version, because he probably saw the same thing and said, and yeah, that doesn't make any sense. We're going to have to like tweak that a little bit. So that was my other nit that I've gotcha. been picked. What did you guys like about the movie? Uh, I think there was a lot of stuff that I really liked about a movie. About the movie, uh, we were talking about uh, Cyborg and his whole. I mean, his entire story <laughs> right. um, with his dad and everything. Uh, I really liked the inclusion of him. I, I think, you know, when people were talking about it and how much of his stuff was cut, I was kind of like, eh, do I really care all that much? Was it really that big of a deal? Mm-hmm. Um, now, yeah. n- knowing Cyborg's origin, really, mm-hmm. and um, it, it really did. It, it really is. It has a whole lot a lot more pathos to the the film, I think. Um, oh, uh, Randy says, you're right. This is the only time in the history of film where guard I did the dumb thing and didn't notice it. Fucking sad. Um, I'm not saying it's the only time. I'm just saying I noticed it and it bothered me. It notices, I noticed it a lot of times. I'm bringing it up now because we're reviewing the movie. Shut up. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, Randy, I, I think there's Randy, a lot to like about the movie. I loved, I loved ending number one with the Martian Manhunter oh. saying, "Hey, Bruce, things are gonna happen, and I'm here for you." And that would have been such a perfect ending. Wasn't that Stop the it, end? Right? End was that was that after the dream shit? Yeah, because he has the nightmare. Well, right, fine, Zach knows he's not getting sequels. Right, he knows at this point in time, as he was cutting this motherfucker, that there's going to be no more sequels. He's, it's not going to happen. Right. Uh, bring that thing at the end, and bring that to the front seats before you go into the fever dream that makes no sense, and mm-hmm. then end the movie. Well, uh, I, I see your Mar, Mar, uh, John Jones, and and yes, it's cool that he shows up, but mm-hmm. he shows up earlier in the film because he he, he poses as Martha Martha Kent. Visiting what the fuck was that about Lois Lane? And I don't necessarily know the understand the juxtaposition of him doing that for, for mm-hmm. Lois Lane, but it happens, whatever. But that implies that one John Jones is here, John yeah. Jones knows kind of knows what's happening. Mm-hmm. John Jones, as far as we know, at least maybe has has his his uh change shifting abilities and maybe his mind reading abilities because he knows about what Martha means to Lois. We also know uh and we can assume that John Jones has his flight and his super strength, which then calls into question then why does John Jones show up after the big battle to say, "Hey, I'm here to help. You've been here all along." Yeah. Well, apoca- Apocalypse uses a lot of fire. So if I was John, I probably would have stepped back out of That's that. Awesome. So he chooses his battles. That's yeah, what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> but what I, to your question, JD, what I actually absolutely did like about this film, and I want people to give um, props where props is due, I liked the relationship between, because it's a different relationship. Between this Batman and this Alfred, I like Jeremy Irons' Alfred. It's a totally different feeling Alfred than we've seen before, but I'm with it. I liked Ben Affleck as Batman. I liked him as Batman because he fills the suit, but there's more of his Bruce Wayne here, and it's it's a more nuanced Bruce Wayne here than we've seen saw in BVS. Mm-hmm. And I liked his Bruce Wayne, and I liked their dynamic. I like Alfred as a whole because I like the scene, even though it's a, it's not necessary. But I like the scene with him micromanaging Wonder Woman how to make tea. I that was great. That was I really like, cute. I, I I loved that aspect of this film. I would have loved. I would have loved for Ben Affleck to be r- regular age Batman with yeah. that Alfred. I could have watched them for movies. Yeah. Uh, in like three more movies. 100%. I think yeah. I, I'm hearing from a lot of people. I think that's kind of the consensus is ever since BVS, even though a lot of people had a problem with the representation of Superman in that film and in this you know universe as a whole, everyone I've talked to has been like, but Batfleck, mm-hmm. I, you know, I didn't like the, I didn't like the idea when he was first cast, but boy, did he win me over. He is one of my favorite Batman. His uh, sequence in the warehouse in oh, BVS is one yes. of the best bat fights of all time, et cetera, et cetera. And yes, I absolutely love Jeremy Irons as uh, Alfred. He feels like a guy who could help Batman with all of these things. Absolutely. I don't think 
there's a there's a problem with Batman in this universe. Even, you know, so many people were like, ah, he was killing people in uh, BVS. Yes, but he's also been doing it for 20 years and he has lost all hope and he is spiraling right. down. Um, uh, he's just having, he's a downward spiral, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And it's not until he meets Superman and that somehow he finds hope. I will say that again in quotes, somehow finds hope. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I was still say, don't like- understand that development but like it was him going through all of that was a character arc mm-hmm. yeah it was never the batman of it all that was the problem it was the fact that they they juxtaposed him against a beacon of hope that was never depicted as a beacon of hope right so right. it just was like grim and grimmier yeah well and let's be honest it's it's a case of tell don't show and that's where mm-hmm. i go back again they're not picking a lane as far as who they're trying to please and placate with these movies yeah. Yeah. We fill in the holes, whether it's subconscious or consciously, as we are sitting there watching it, we are remembering everything we have read and imbibed up until that point in time. So I'd love to look at it from the lens of somebody coming in fresh to all this without all the comic history. It's a very different freaking experience for those people. And I mm-hmm. think that's where they always fall behind Marvel, who does better fan service to both. Yeah. Right. Uh, Robert Monroe Jr. asks, so is it worth me getting HBO Max just for JL the Snyder Cut? I'm going to go first. I think yes. I think if you're going to spend one month on on HBO Max, which is what? How much? 15 bucks. $15 for a four-hour Justice League movie I think is absolutely worthwhile. I I definitely say Mm -hmm. you get it. Um, Also, enjoy the other like yeah. shit storm of stuff on HBO Max. There's so much stuff in that in that uh streaming service. I say 100% worthwhile even if you're just watching the Snyder cut. Uh what did what do you think uh Len? Oh, um it's better than the 27 it depends on your v- version of the 2017 version. If you didn't like that but you're interested in seeing a better movie than that, then sure, get it. And $15 worth for 15 for a 4 hour film I'll give you that. I still land on the side of not liking the film, but it. Um, I will say that if you are were interested in seeing a better Justice League film than the 2017 one, then this is a better film than that. Um, and. I will say, you know what? I'll say yeah. I'll say yeah. Get it, get it, because you'll you'll spend the four hours then watching the movie. But then to JD's point, you'll spend the rest of the month just indulging in everything else on there. You watch the real Justice League and Justice League and Justice League Unlimited animated series. Watch yes. Young Justice. Um, yes. Watch, you know, regale yourself with the old Batman and Superman movies. The Harley um, Quinn animated series. The Harley Quinn animated series is bananas fun. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot to enjoy on HBO Max. I am not going to front. Doom Patrol. Gonna, Doom, Doom Patrol. Patrol. Yeah, see it. See Which a, has a lot more cyborg. Uh, and, and an equally good cyborg, I will I will uh, argue. I'm going to answer that. So the, the question is binary. I'm going to answer it like Brian would as just a question. So is it worth me getting HBO Max just for Justice League The Snyder Cut? No. It's worth getting HBO Max for all of the other stuff that's there, and you'll be able to watch the Snyder Cut also. There you go. I I will say it depends on how you feel about the totality of this universe. 
this is the culmination. This is the culmination of three films. You don't walk into this soft. You don't walk into this without any other pretext because then it makes no fucking sense. That's true. How did you feel about the other two films? And do you want to see the end cap? Yeah. Um, yeah, especially, you know, I, I put it down, Noel. Um, I, I no. think, um, yeah, you can, you can enjoy all of the Snyderverse on there. And, you know, enjoy in quotes, for, you know, give or take, however you feel about that. Um, action figure expert asks a very, very good question. Oh boy. What are your thoughts on the Joker? <sighs> Holy shit! Bring this to the epilogue. I tried to bring this up earlier, and we we pushed it back, and so now we're going to finally talk about the nightmare sequence, mm-hmm. um, which is just it just plopped in there without any, uh, just no transition or anything. It's just there, and um, boy, boy, top to bottom, it's terrible. Um, there are so many things that I enjoy <laughs> about this movie. And uh, overall, it, it was a very pleasant experience for me. It was a surprisingly pleasant experience. I legitimately enjoy this overall. If we're going binary, yes, I like this movie. Holy shit. Oh, my God. The fucking nightmare is top to bottom, cringe-worthy, edgelord, terrible dialogue. Just so many strange decisions made in there. Uh, I, I just, I hate it so, so much. And if it was just excised from the film completely, it would be a better experience. Which it for should have been, especially knowing he wasn't getting sequels. Yeah. Uh, and from my understanding, it wasn't part of the Snyder cut. It wasn't part of a thing no, that was look, already this, filmed. Yeah, he went is, and filmed it recently. Yeah, this is yeah. all the reshoot. This is a reshoot, which means you didn't have to do it, um, especially if it's not leading towards act- anything. Um, the, the dialogue between Batman and the Joker is just the worst it, it, it really my the entire time i was rolling my eyes and sort of cringing and laughing at how bad it was it felt like just like edgelord fan film it, it was so bad fan film is it it felt like yeah. a fan film um and like. i actually didn't hate uh what's his nuts his version of the joker um from Jared leto Jared Leto's version of the Joker from Suicide Squad. I thought it was an interesting take on the character. Didn't love it, but he was definitely doing his own thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then this version was even worse somehow. Um, and I just, I hate his laugh. Um, I hate his dialogue. I hate his conversation with Batman. Absolutely. I, I like the look of him. I thought the look was pretty cool. And as we all know, uh, Zack Snyder is very good at the look of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you guys think of the Joker, uh, Rob? Um, utterly unnecessary. Um, my, and again, I'm going to say mildly confusing because I have had people, and I know people tell me I'm nuts for saying this, all right, that it's just assumed that you know the Joker killed uh, Robin. I'm sorry, you don't know that because That's it was true. never shown in the universe and that's what he's hinging this entire conversation on really pissing him off with Mm -hmm. and i just think that's i don't know i just it's a tell don't show it's again it's assuming that the the audience has a pretext of knowledge that never occurred in the other two films save Mm -hmm. for that one scene very quickly in bvs where they show the suit right the robin suit which doesn't even look really like a robin suit because it's so fucking dark right i mean it's it looks like it a Batman suit with spray paint on it. A little bit does, yeah. yeah. 
Um, and uh, there's just, and I loved Injustice. Okay. I mean, I mm -hmm. love Tom Taylor's Injustice. Yeah. And that's yeah. what this was trying to hearken to. But again, it was doing it lazy as fuck because it's not showing the audience anything of Injustice. As that scene is playing, I'm flipping through the first three issues of the very first Injustice I read. I don't know. When was that? 10 years ago? to try and understand what the hell this scene is. Yeah. Yeah. This, this, but you know what? To, I didn't like the epilogue. It was stupid. It was unnecessary. Right. But I did take it, especially once, you know, when I learned that this was the majority of the reshoot, I did take it for what it was. This was Zack Snyder's thank you to all the Snyder knots who got the Zack Snyder Justice League cut, made mm. it a thing, okay. right? This was his thank you. Here is my, you know, you know, my wet dream for you. And then I'm giving you a little sprinkling, of just a little something, something, a little, little taste. Um, okay. It's unnecessary. It makes no sense. Um, the, it's not well done visually. It's interesting, you know, because like you said, the man knows how to paint a picture for the mm. most part. I, I, I would argue he's not that great at it, but he's, he's, in, um, he, he's interesting with it. Um, but I just took it as like, this was Zack Snyder's little $70 million fan film to all of the release the Snyder cut guys and keep it moving. Now, I also, it, also on top of that, if I may, I, I wonder if it's partly, hey guys, uh, if you do uh, restore the Snyderverse, maybe yeah. we'll get even more of it. So I'm going to put this in here to egg you on even further. And that's yeah. where exactly where I was going to go. Now, if, oh, sorry. if this doesn't, if this fosters something like that, it's already started. Uh, then, then, then that's that's the danger, of, and that that's the danger of of yeah. this type of shit. Um, it ain't going to go nowhere. Trust me, ladies and gentlemen, it's not. And if and my biggest thing is, I didn't like it being a nightmare. I would have loved for this to have just been like, oh, this is there an allusion to Flashpoint. Mm -hmm. It's another universe, yeah. you know. And I, if if it had done that, it still would have been unnecessary. But I would have would have rolled with it and this film could have fit in canonically with whatever the fuck they're doing and they'll find a way to do that they're they're finding a way to do that with flashpoint yeah. um but it was just a piece of fluff i it was I, like, I, I think they've learned enough by now and i've got to believe no matter how much clamoring occurs on the internets if they don't make back that 70 million that they pumped into this with a bump up in streaming subscriptions, I don't care how much they bitch and whine on the internet. W is not going to, they're not, not going to get it. No. Yeah, right. do, do we, do we, have, I have no idea whether or not this was a successful release or not. We won't know for months because the streaming numbers are recorded differently and they can release okay. them at will and as they want. So I we guess, won't see know, that unless there's a good picture to show. Yeah. I think I, I would argue that I, I have a funny feeling they are not upset about the buzz that this has created right. because right. it is it, because it is completely swallowed the release of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It sure um, has. 
as far as being taught now, we don't know how long this will last. Falcon and Winter Soldier has the benefit of being a series, so it'll be continuing on for a couple of weeks. This is getting like the hardcores in here for like you know this first weekend, maybe next weekend too. We'll see how long that that bump lasts. Um, but uh, so they're not upset with that, I'm certain. I, I have a question actually. Speaking of that, do you think? This would have been a more successful viewing experience for y'all if it was a weekly um, six-episode miniseries? No, I would have been pissed off. Same? Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Just, yeah. just was curious. But, um, and, so- I'm sorry. I was just going to say, pulling it back, I'll let you guys in behind the scenes of the business world right now and where we're transforming in 2022, uh, especially in 2021, with the social media to the actual sales and metrics. And while social media has been getting great buzz for everybody, there's a, there's a disparity right now of trying to track actual revenue and numbers at mm-hmm. the bottom of the funnel from social media buzz. And that's where I say the actual revenue is not there. Buzz aside, executives are not caring as much about the buzz because it's not equating to more money at the bottom of the funnel. So, well, that's one of the things yeah. that I've never quite understood about streaming services and the model for it, where we have uh, things aside from Mulan, which you paid thirty dollars extra on top of your subscription fee. Right. Is if every if enough, so many people already have HBO Max, and mm-hmm. then they put all of this money into the uh, Snyder Cut. There's only so many more people you can sign up, right? Like that caps mm-hmm. at a certain point right. um, to make it worthwhile. So you already have everybody subscribe to your service and then you funnel 70 million into something like this. How do they make their money back if, they're, if they already have the subscribers? Well, well, here's a, it, well, here's the question. It's the cable versus streaming model. Yeah. Right. And there are so many people that are still getting their shit off of cable and oh. HBO wants to untether that because they've got to give a person. You go anywhere in the country, your HBO might be a slightly different service depending upon who your cable provider is because mm-hmm. they subscribe to that version of HBO and HBO loses part of the revenue. They've got to give that back to that cable company. Their ideal is to get everybody to cut the cord from the cable company and give the money direct revenue to HBO. That's who yeah. they're still trying to convert and bring over. Yeah. And and then and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Rob, but don't then even though they may reach a, you know, a, a, a cap on how many subscribers you can have, then mm-hmm. the fight becomes retention mm-hmm. of those yep. of those subscribers, correct. especially as more and more streaming you know vehicles get out there. They've mm-hmm. got to be able to keep their eyes on the prize, you know, keep yeah. their eye, people locked into HBO. Absolutely. And there's a there's a retention factor. And let's not forget all the great Ukrainian servers that are out there where you can just download your BitTorrent file and watch mm-hmm. it at will, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. I guess uh we've yeah. talked for quite a while. Um mm-hmm. there, you know, as I was enjoying watching the four hours, there was something in me as a comic book fan that I was I would love more of this sort of thing. I like being able to sit down or a four-hour experience and do kind of deep dive into things I love, these characters that I love, whether or not I agree with all the decisions or not, I still found this entire experience to be kind of fulfilling. I I really enjoyed it just on a geeky level, Mm -hmm. um, being able to spend this amount of time with these characters and seeing more of the things that were supposed to be 
um, included in the original version. Uh, I really enjoyed that Zack Snyder was able to complete his vision, uh, come back after a terrible tragedy, and put the work in and get a reward for it, if not monetarily, because I understand he wasn't paid for this. He was already paid for the original. Mm-hmm. But it, I don't think he got paid any extra for it. This was really just sort of a passion project and, and a project for the fans. And that I really respect. I think it's really cool. I don't respect the fans who made it happen by being super toxic about it. Those specific fans. Uh, I, I don't think they should be um, rewarded for their shitty behavior. But the other people who just like their Zack Snyder movies and, and their Justice League movie that they wish had come to fruition originally. I'm glad they got to see it. And I really had a lot of fun with it. Um, to varying degrees. But overall, this was a pleasant experience for me. Anybody want to put a bow on it? What do you got to say, Len? Um, I'm just going to answer, answer the last question in there from uh, in the chat from Action Figure Expert. He asked about Dark Sides, um, how he was depicted in, in the film. And I actually didn't mind Dark Sides' depiction mm-hmm. in the film. I actually didn't mind their depiction of the fourth world um, characters. I thought Stefan Wolf was better yeah. Uh, then in the theatrical release, the side was kind of cool. Um, the brief glimpse at Granny Goodness didn't look yeah. like my Granny Goodness, like, oh, but granny you know, goodness. you know, but it's Granny Goodness. But Dark Side, I didn't mind at all. I thought it was it was very imposing f- for what it was. It was it was kind of cool. Speaking of Steppenwolf, I like the way this they dispatched him. I was like, oh shit, that's brutal. Yeah, yeah, they were. Um, that's where Wonder Woman being a warrior is like, no, 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 no. No, no, no. We dead these bras. So, yeah. yeah. So I, uh, I, I, that was cool. Rob. Final bow. Um, Warner Brothers is lazy. And they've done this entire universe in a very lazily fashion to play catch up. I would love to see a reset and see it all done right with, you know, real service and real time to draw it all out. It Wait. just felt like everything we've known and loved just sort of scrunched together with uh, a lot of important beats and moments taken out over time and Mm -hmm. left a lot of confusion. Mm -hmm. Was this better than four hours of watching Jane Austen flicks? Hell yeah. All right. I'm a nerd. So yes, I'm on board with that. Um, I just don't think that Warner brothers has the right people in charge to build these universes and they've got to stop trying to copy in Marvel's footsteps and do a redo. Um, no. Yeah, um, I am, I wish that there wasn't so much animosity baked around this, uh, the Snyderness of it all. Um, and it's not even him at this point. It's just, um, people that claim him or something. Either way, um, I am glad it exists. I'm glad I watched it. I did enjoy the experience, even though I had, um, things that I just inherently didn't agree with as story points. Uh, but that doesn't mean they were wrong. It's just not what I wanted. That's fine. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not um, butt hurt about it. Um, I hope that this just puts a button on it. I'm. I'm very tired of. There's. There's a difference between creating media that's expandable and creating media just to expand it. I. I missed. I wasn't a part of the whole nightmare vision scenario or conversation part of the conversation but my only cap on it was that um you're throwing these things in just to figure them out later or to just touch on them later but they don't matter for the story now so stop it like i i hate the the forced or fabricated uh gravitas importance or sequelizing of stuff like i get it if you can expand it 
you know, in a shared universe, cool. But just adding these visions that make no sense, I, I to me that's forced, and and that's almost been indicative of this whole series of films, mm-hmm. like reverse engineering importance instead of just earning it. Yeah. So, in terms of how we hopefully create larger endeavors like this, where it's you know it's going to be a multi-picture thing, just worry about the story first. Worry about the first movie, the one movie, and then just we'll go from there as opposed to announce 12 films and just watch it in slow motion fall apart. Well, or announce the 12 films and have a definitive plan in place. They didn't really do that. They didn't announce the 12 films and they kept shifting wind and direction as they came out with the new films. Batman versus Superman wasn't supposed to have a waft of Wonder Woman in it. Then they threw in Wonder Woman in the last moment to move forward to the Justice League because they said we have to compete with Avengers. They did announce like a whole slate of five years and a bunch of movies. They announced all of those flicks Um, a couple years ago. It was that's how you knew there was going to be a cyborg movie. Cyborg, Flash, Green Lantern Corps, uh, Wonder Woman, Justice League Part One, Justice League Part Two. Um, Like they had a whole five year slate. Because they were yeah. essentially they were they were mimicking the the Marvel event where they were just like here's the next three years, yeah. okay. And they just announced all these movies without actual creative teams, there without filmmakers, without story points. It was just like right. we got to yeah. spin yeah. all this out. Ah. Yeah, they had logos. They had logos. Yeah, yeah yes. that's the kind of shit that I'm talking about. Like I hope that this is the terrible term, but a nail in the coffin because I don't want this to die. I don't want the Justice League to be over. It's just this phase of it. This is a wonderful victory for fans of this phase. Take the W. Let's try something else. Well, I, th- I have. I actually think that Flashpoint is the reason why they're going ahead with that is because they they're going to use that as the vehicle to reset things. Cool. Great. Yeah. Hopefully that one. Uh, hopefully I'll enjoy that more. I'm glad that everyone enjoyed this uh, this whole phase as much as they have, but um, I'm glad we have a button on it. Um, all right, guys, thank you so much for hanging out with us this week. Join us in a week from now at 10.30 a.m. We will do spoiler alert comic reviews again. And uh, hopefully we'll get around to maybe some Falcon and Winter Soldier discussion. Um, Mars says, good show, guys. I missed Brian, but Rob, you did really well. Thanks. Best part, the baby was here. Yeah, little Kai was here. Um, and he was having a fit, so I had to give him back to his mother. Thanks so much for joining us, guys, and we will talk at you later. Thanks so much for listening to Spoiler Alert. Check out all our shows, including the Cannibal Horrorcast, where we review classic and contemporary horror. Oh, it's so spooky! And Gutter Talk with the Black Tribbles, recorded live every week at Johnny Destructo's Hero Complex in Nanyang, PA. Yeah. This is